Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. As the political sparring escalates until mid-April, more blows wait just around the corner. Tuesday, April 4th, Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg unsealed the historic indictment against former President Trump. Thursday, April 6th, the House GOP chaired by Representative Jim Jordan subpoenaed Mark Pomerantz. Tuesday, April 11th, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg filed a federal lawsuit aimed at blocking the House Judiciary Committee subpoena. Which brings us to Monday, when just steps from D.A. Braggs' office, the House Judiciary Committee will hold a field hearing to scrutinize Braggs' prosecutorial priorities. Alvin Bragg, as you know, is going after President Trump when you have all kinds of things happening in his town. A city reeling in shock and sadness, really. We are just a few blocks away from what was the finish line of the Boston Marathon. And in most years, on this night, these streets, the heart of downtown Boston, would be humming with activity. But these streets seem frozen in time. At that moment when two bombs went off at that finish line, wounding more than 140, killing three at least, including an eight-year-old. This jersey that we wear today... He doesn't say Red Sox. He say Boston. This is our city. And nobody gonna dictate our freedom. Stay strong. Thank you. ago already since that tragic day back on April the 15th of 2013. You know, of course, that uh, the Rosenbergs, we are a very, very big marathon family. In fact, that Abbott Award, which you heard me talk an awful lot about last month when my beautiful wife, Danielle, completed the Tokyo Japan Marathon, you have to do the six majors. She's done 39 marathons, but the six majors to get that award, and those six majors include New York, Chicago, London, Germany, Tokyo, and Boston. My wife, Danielle, ran the Boston Marathon in 2017, right after Nana died. 
It was the four-year commemoration of the Boston bombings. But here we are today. It is now 10 years, 2013. I think Obama, I think I know Obama was still president. And I know it's just perception, but, man, it seemed like when Barack Obama was president, there was a terrorist attack somewhere every week. I mean, whether it was Brussels or Paris or London or California at a Christmas party or this horrendous event with these two Chechnyan brothers, the Tsarnev brothers, revenge for Iraq and Afghanistan, it just seems like there was an attack every week. And I remember how feckless, disappointing Barack was in that he always wanted folks to calm down, don't get overly angry at these communities. They don't represent the good. And I wanted him to get pissed, right? I want them to blow up some folks like Trump did to the Iranian guy. I forget his name now. (laughs) But he blew that mother ever up at the airport. I wanted Obama to do the same thing, and here we are 10 years later, and that was David Ortiz, the great Boston Red Sox player, Hall of Famer at the very end. Boston strong, man. This is about America. This is about our city. And that Boston Marathon, which ends on Boylston Street, is an epic event. It really is. We did it. Danielle did it, I should say, and me, Danielle, excuse me, me, Ava, and Gabriel stood at the finish line. It was amazing. In fact, full disclosure, I told you this last Monday when I got back from London, my plans were to do today's show from Boston. But I'm going to be honest, management dropped the ball here. They just dropped the ball. I had Joseph Aboud, who is Mr. Bostonian, actually got me and Justin, a few others, hotel rooms in Boston. So there was no charge for that. I was going to drive to Boston. So there was no charge for that. All the radio station had to do, the only responsibility, was to set up the radio portion this morning, and they didn't do it. In fact, after texting them about the idea, they never even got back to me. Ten years to the day, one of the most tragic days in the country's history, on a Monday morning in New York, with really nothing going on here outside this House Judiciary Committee meeting down in Manhattan early this morning would have been a perfect day to be in Boston. Could have gone to the Red Sox-Angels game afterwards. Just a real American thing to do, right, Lewis? Ten years after this tragic bombing, we've got it all set up to do the show live today. And I heard from nobody. I don't even know if these guys are here today. I think they're in Vegas or something. Why? I know you're shocked. I know. I, I, yeah, hold on. I'm going to sit there. <laughs> I know. Why in Vegas? I don't know. So maybe it's NAB. I don't even know. Oh. I don't care. And Boston's one of the just great cities in this great country. Great. And oh, today happens man. to be a historic day. Yeah, big day. It and is. we had the opportunity to cost the radio station practically nothing to do it, and it just, you know, doesn't matter. Anyway, but we're going to uh, cover this event today. Scott Zolak is a very, very good friend of mine. You may remember Scott. He played his collegiate football at Maryland. Then he went on to play for the Patriots for many years. He split the time there with Drew Bledsoe. And then uh, Scott left about two years before the Pats drafted Tom Brady out of Michigan. Spent his last year down in Miami playing with the Dolphins. Went on to do television. And believe it or not, year one of CSTV, college sports television, 
We did the shows from Chelsea Pierce. Brian Bedol, uh owned it, I think. I think he sold it to CBS for like millions and millions of dollars. The first show I ever did there was a show called Crystal Ball, and it covered college football. And my two co-hosts were Aaron Taylor, who played many years. First he went to Notre Dame, but played many years alongside Brett Favre with the Green Bay Packers and Zolak. And Zolak and I got close, and now Zolak has gone on to have a very good radio career at a Beasley Boston radio station. Used to be Odyssey, used to be CBS. He does the mid- uh, midday show with a guy named Bertrand, and there are big stars in Boston, big stars. And Zolak will join us live this morning coming up at 840 to commemorate this uh, 10-year day, this tragic day in the history of our country. But just to give you some more insight, if you forgot about it, you know, again, the bombs go off. In the end, three people died, but the face of the deaths turns out to be eight-year-old Morton Richard, whose little sister also lost her leg. It was uh, Morton, his sister, and the father standing by the finish line because their mom was running the race. And little Marty was a fixture in Boston at the Boston Bruins games. I remember talking to Scott Zolak even then, 10 years ago. I was doing shows in Miami, of course. Came on the next morning and started to cry over Marty because everybody in Boston knew this kid. Three people died, over 150 injured. And here's a gruesome statistic. 17 people lost limbs that day. But the inspirational part of this story is a bunch of those folks who lost limbs that day have since run the Boston Marathon again. How beautiful is that? Just a, This story has everything from tragedy to terrorism to, in certain cases, happy endings, and if not happy, at the very least, inspirational. But after these bombs went off, you may remember... There was a, a ferocious hunt for the guys that did it. And I think the New York Post actually got into trouble, I believe. They got into trouble for, for, for putting somebody on the, on the cover of the Post. It wasn't even the right bomber. And eventually it turned out there were these two kids, these brothers, who were pissed off about Iraq and Afghanistan. They went back to Chechnya, the older brother, Tamlin, who was a boxer, and... Uh, ended up making these homemade pressure cooker bombs, placed them strategically at the finish line in Boston, and set them off right before the end of the race, doing all this damage. But it was not just one day of horror when the bombs went off because the brothers went on to kill a cop, shootouts all over the city. So here it was. This is a courtesy of CNN. The days that ensued after the initial bombings, at the marathon were really scary days in the city of Boston. This, uh, Lewis, would be cut number 16. And this gives you the whole outline. Ten years later, the Boston bombings. Today we are enlisting the public's help to identify the two suspects. Shortly after 5 p.m. yesterday, FBI Special Agent in Charge Richard Delorier releases these images of the two men they believe are suspects behind the Boston Marathon bombings. We have two new pictures that we want to show you. Just hours later, a second photo is circulated online of suspect number two walking away from the bombings. A little after 10 p.m., two men are spotted at a convenience store in Cambridge near the campus of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. We must have heard about 60 gunshots. 
Chief DeVoe is advising all Watertown East End residents to remain in their home. As we are on the air at 11 p.m., we learn a 26-year-old police officer from MIT has been shot and killed. Moments later, Boston police begin a high-speed chase for two males after receiving reports of an armed carjacking. According to authorities, the carjacking suspects begin throwing explosives from the car as police chase them from Cambridge to Watertown. There were dozens of police officers with their guns drawn. Um, we could hear them yelling. At approximately 1.23 a.m., residents in Watertown are jolted awake as dozens of police exchange gunfire with the two suspects. And then, like, boom, boom, like three big bangs. A fierce firefight with explosions follows, leading to the death of one of the men, later identified as suspect number one. Suspect number two escapes on foot. By 3.45 in the morning, Massachusetts State Police warn Watertown residents to stay in their homes, lock their doors, as police begin searching door to door. A little after 5 a.m., as day breaks, the city of Boston begins moving into a lockdown, suspending mass transit and asking businesses to remain closed. It is important that folks remain indoors, keep the doors locked, and not open the door. At 8.14 a.m., authorities identify the suspects as brothers. 26-year-old Tamerlan Sarnayev and 19-year-old Jahar Sarnayev. At 11.55 a.m., the city of Boston is at a standstill as relatives of the two suspected bombers begin to speak out. Turn yourself in and ask for forgiveness. At 1.26, Boston police tweet that 60% of the search is done. At 3.42, investigators find significant amounts of homemade explosives in Watertown. We are asking the public to remain vigilant. 6 p.m., the lockdown for the Boston area is lifted, meaning people can again leave their homes, even though a suspect remains at large. Was that guns? But less than an hour after the lockdown is lifted, shots are fired in Watertown. Police scramble to the scene. I, I just heard... I. It, it, what sounded like multiple assault rifle shots to me. 8.15 p.m., a person believed to be Jahar Tsarnaev is cornered on a boat in a yard in Watertown. Hundreds of law enforcement surround the suspected bomber. And at 8.45, police in Watertown, Massachusetts, break out in cheers, followed by crowds coming to the streets to celebrate. I won't forget, I was actually at Mateo's Restaurant, my dear friend Peter Kramer in East Boca, on my birthday, sitting next to my late father when they found that younger brother in the boat bleeding from his neck in Boston. My birthday, of course, is coming up this Wednesday. I'll be 56 years old, God willing, coming up on Wednesday. All this comes back to me in a big way. You know, I was uh, on a sports talk radio station, little 640 Sports in Pompano Beach, Florida. It was the last sports job I had, and who knew that would be the job to catapult me back to New York City in 2016. But I actually did six hours that day. The show was on from 6 to 10, and management asked me to stay from 6 to noon. And that was the day they were looking for the second brother. Stayed on for six hours, went home at noon, and they found him about eight hours later. So that's uh, Boston 10 years ago today. April the 15th of 2013, the actual date. Today, of course, is April the 17th, but it is Patriots Day in Boston today. They will run the marathon, and the Red Sox will play the only 11 a.m. baseball game of the season. They'll host the Angels today. By the way, the Yankees host those same Angels in the Bronx coming up tomorrow night. So Patriots Day in Boston today. 
Boston strong, folks. Our hearts go out to the people of Boston 10 years later. Again, we'll cover this with former Patriot quarterback Scott Zolak coming up at 840. Now, plenty of uh, other news uh, this morning, in fact, in lower Manhattan coming up at 9 a.m. Jim Jordan, one of my favorite politicians out of the great state of Ohio, is here in New York in lower Manhattan for a Republican House Judiciary Committee meeting talking about crime in New York City as they put the pressure on this fat, stupid, loser Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg, this racist, scumbag piece of shizzle. And there'll be a bunch of folks there. My friend Jennifer Harrison, who, of course, uh, has she runs and started that victim advocates group on Long Island. She'll be testifying today. So will Jose Alba. You may remember him, the bodega owner. In fact, Artie Idala is his attorney. Let's get our guy, Noam Layden, who's in charge of news here at WABC, on the horn with more on this. So, Noam, as far as I know, Jim Jordan gets it all started at 9 o'clock this morning. What do you expect will happen in lower Manhattan today? Uh, it'll be a little bit of a zoo outside. Uh, Mayor Adams is going to be out there with a press conference ahead of time. He's calling this a stunt on the part of Jim Jordan. Yeah, no, he's actually going to be on MSNBC, the mayor coming up shortly. He can call it whatever he wants. That's the same Mayor Eric Adams who on this show on the Thursday morning, the day when President Trump was indicted, when we thought it was never going to happen, we had heard that morning the grand jury was taken off a month, and we figured, okay, it ain't going to happen. That was the last time Adams was on this show, and I asked him, I said, what do you think about this Alvin Bragg thing? And he actually praised Alvin Bragg. That's the last time I invited Mayor Eric Adams on this show. So I'm not surprised that he's taking that stance today. And quite frankly, Mr. Mayor, that stance sucks. Yeah, well, he's uh, he, he actually yesterday, or maybe it was Saturday, the mayor was comparing the crime rate between New York City and Columbus, Ohio, uh, where, you know, Jim Jordan's from Ohio, and he said that uh, Columbus has five times when compared to New York, has five times the amount of crime mm-hmm. as in New York City, and I so don't he care. said he should stay back in Ohio. And maybe that, you know, he also made an argument on this show not that long ago that Ron DeSantis and Florida have worse crime than New York. Amazingly, any time somebody from a different state speaks out against New York, Adams is able to find some bogus statistic that makes New York safer. We don't care what the crime rate is in Ohio. Fact is, you've got a Republican congressman who cares enough to come to New York where you've got a crooked DA, a crooked DA, and that's what Eric Adams should be concentrating on, not the crime rate in Ohio. I mean, he continues to disappoint me. Week after week after week, again, I like them. We have developed a friendship. But things like this is why I'm moving further and further away from the mayor. You know, what's interesting, uh, Sid, is um, there are other people who will be testifying. Uh, Democratic City Councilman Robert Holden is going to be there. So he's a Democrat. He'll yeah, testify. but he switched a while ago. He's the Democrat from Queens. Right. And he has uh, it's been months, maybe even a year, since he's called out the Democrats for being very, very light on crime. Yeah, I, I think a lot of New Yorkers will watch us with great interest. The uh, president of the New York City Detectives Endowment Association is going to appear f- before the committee. So is that Paul DiGiacomo? It is. Yeah. I love Paul DiGiacomo. She got him on today. Have Paul call in. I love that guy. 
Yeah. So uh, this is taking place a block away where from where Donald Trump was arrested uh, a little more than a week ago uh, at the federal courthouse. So uh, it'll play out starting at nine o'clock. You'll be able to watch it live. Of course, we'll be following it here at 77 WABC all day long. It's not supposed to last too long, but I think it'll be really interesting to hear what these people have to say when they come to testify. All right. Good job, Noam. You said uh, not far from where Donald Trump was arrested while the former president did speak this weekend at the NRA, and he talked about election interference and why they're coming after him, whether it's Alvin Bragg in this case or the other cases. It's all about Donald Trump leading in the polls. This, Lou Rapino, is Donald Trump, cut number six. It's actually called election interference. That's all they want to do. I'll tell you what, if I weren't running, which isn't going to happen, or if I was doing badly in the polls, and we're not going to let that happen either. We're killing them in the polls. Are you seeing the numbers? They wouldn't be doing anything. They'd be after somebody else. They wouldn't be talking. But uh, we're going to show you some of the polls in a little while. You're going to be amazed. We really made a lot of progress over the last month. We put it into high gear. All right. So there you have it, folks. So much more to cover and do today. We've got sound from so many different spots. Huge sports weekend, too. How about the Knickerbockers? How about that big offensive rebound by Julius Randle and that huge three by Josh Hart? They get a road one win in Cleveland. I got a big issue, though. Tomorrow night, you've got the Knicks picking on the Cavaliers, game two at 7.30, and my Rangers picking on the Devils, game one at 7. So the Knicks and Rangers are on the same time Coming up tomorrow night, the Mets. How red hot is Pete Alonso as both the Mets and Yankees have now started the season at 10 and 6, respectively. So, a lot to do with a bunch of great guests, including Curtis Sliwa, Rich Lowry, Nicole Maliotakis, Scott Zolak, and Dan Mason on your Monday morning on New York's favorite talk show. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, right here. Talk Radio 77, WABC, Augustana, Boston. We are Boston Strong. Today. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYC. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC.
Jim Jordan sitting right now with Brian Ainsley on Fox and Friends on Fox News as the House panel gets set to hear from victims of Alvin Bragg's policies. That's real stuff, Mr. Mayor. That ain't no joke. That's real stuff, Jose Alba. And what is this guy concentrating on, him, the DA, and your attorney general, that racist Letitia James? They're worried about Donald Trump. That's real stuff, Eric, real stuff. I mean, you would think, for a guy like you, that I know when your heart wants to combat crime, I know you do. And from a professional standpoint, I know no matter what you tell people, you've got designs on the White House. Well, you ain't going to the White House unless you take a bus tour like everybody else, unless you fix the crime in this city. And you're not going to fix the crime in this city by telling people your D.A. Alvin Bragg is doing a good job when there are still people being beaten up in the streets and he's going after Donald Trump. So instead of getting mad at Jim Jordan and Republicans and calling it a stunt and protecting your Democrats every step of the way, if you really want to fix this city, and really want to be mentioned maybe, maybe, maybe one day in the same sentence as a Giuliani or a Bloomberg, and maybe one day get to be president, you got to stop the nonsense. I don't know who you think you're fooling, Eric. You're a much smarter guy than this, and so am I. So you're going to stage this press conference outside Lower Manhattan today where Jim Jordan is doing the right thing, where Jennifer Harrison is doing the right thing, where Jose Alba is doing the right thing. You're going to stand out there, call it a Trump stunt, and embarrass yourself. Right now, you should be doing anything you can to fix crime. has nothing to do with crime in Ohio, Jim Jordan, nothing to do with crime in Florida, Ron DeSantis. It's crime in your city, which is still way too high. Way too high. And your DA and your AG are doing nothing about it, as well as the people up in Albany, which includes Stewart Cousins and Heasty folks that you still, still are hesitant to call out. You've got your own reasons. I get it. I get it. But you're still hesitant to call them out, and nothing is changing. Nothing. So you're not helping yourself today, Eric. I hope to God you're listening making this ridiculous drive not as a caucus, hanging out with America-hating people like Joe and Mika, those two scumbags, Mike Barnacle, Willie Geis, the worst, the worst kind of Americans, the worst kind. So if you're in your call listening right now, Eric, cut it out. Stop it. Really stop it. Anyway, here is uh, Eric Adams on CNN on the Jim Jordan hearing saying basically... It's just a uh, Trump love fest. That's all it is, which is ridiculous. Mayor Eric Adams, cut number 11. I just view it as a, this is simply a donation or contribution to the Trump campaign. Oh, really? Really ridiculous, particularly when you do an analysis of the congressional district of Jim Jordan. You'll see uh, that crime is actually higher in his district. Okay. Uh, New York City, a uh, crime is uh, really taking, trending in the right direction. Yeah, please stop it. Who do you think you're kidding? I don't care what the crime is in Ohio. I don't care. The crime in New York City is still way too high. This is still a very dangerous place to live. People don't want to come here. They don't want to work here. Anyway, this is uh, Jennifer Harrison. She won't come on, and I cannot go into detail why she won't even though her and I have been very, very good friends for many years. If you don't know her story, her boyfriend was murdered years ago. 
murdered. She started this victim's advocate group on Long Island. She's going to be one of the people testifying today. She was on Fox News, and she says, hey, this Jim Jordan hearing, this is no stunt. Crime is an issue. Here's my friend Jennifer Harrison Lewis, cut number 12. It's not a political stunt, Harris, and, and New York is definitely not safe. In Alvin Bragg's first year in office, there's one precinct, Manhattan South, where the murder rates are up 40 percent. Um, borough-wide, Manhattan violent crime is up almost 12 percent. So I beg to differ. The victims of these crimes beg to differ, and I dare Alvin Bragg to show up on Monday and say this to our faces. So these hearings... Jim Jordan, Alvin Bragg, these uh, do tie into foreign policy, too, just so you know. Joe Biden, he's got his hands in this, too, because him and even, you know, George Soros, of course, these are the types of men that want to see these liberal DAs and AGs and all these folks that are destroying blue cities and states across this country. Alan Dershowitz on this show, sitting friends in the morning on Friday Talked about the Bragg-Jordan hearings. This is Alan Dershowitz, cut number 13. This involves foreign policy. Look at what the president of El Salvador said. He said, you're lecturing us about democracy in Central and South America, and you're trying to put in jail the man who's running against your incumbent president? That's Banana Republic stuff. And don't lecture us about democracy while you're trying to put in jail the guy who's running against your incumbent president. So it is a question of foreign policy. So while Mayor Eric Adams calls this a Trump donation, a political stunt, I did pose the question to Alan Dershowitz, who's a lot smarter, by the way, than me and Eric Adams combined. Can Jim Jordan do this? Can he make Alvin Bragg accountable? Can he take him to task? And here was Dershowitz's response on Friday, cut number 14. Surely Congress has supervisory power over district attorneys whose actions could influence the presidential election, funding for DA's offices, and American foreign policy. So I hope he does it well. I hope he does it right. And I hope the courts at least give him some authority to hold Bragg accountable. Oh, well, who's going to hand him accountable? Right. Who's going to hold him? The governor's not going to remove him. Right. The voters voted for him. They're going to now serve on juries. And the same people who voted for Bragg, who promised to get Trump, are now going to try to help Bragg satisfy his campaign promise by getting Trump. That's not American justice. So I'm announcing this morning that the mayor is suspended. So that's it. Oh, this is bigger than I thought. Yeah, I mean, I just can't do it. I hope uh, Frank and Anthony aren't upset with me. And some of my friends I've made along the way that I've met through the mayor, because I've met some really cool people, people I really like, but he's suspended. That's it. I mean, uh, compare yourself to Biden favorably. You, you can't do that. Tell me on the show Alvin Bragg is doing a good job. You got a congressman from Ohio coming to New York, speaking to New Yorkers, New Yorkers, whose lives have been changed in dramatic fashion. Jennifer Harrison, boyfriend murdered. That should come first, Eric. You're the mayor of New York City, not whether or not the crime is up in Ohio. Have some heart. You should have sympathy for people like Jennifer Harrison, for Jose Alba. Jose Alba, what a horrendous job the city and state did with him. He doesn't even live here anymore. That's where your heart should be, Eric, not whether or not Jim Jordan has crime in Ohio. Not making this about Donald Trump, so you've disappointed me again. And even though I like you and I root for you, 
then if you need me, I'm here. I am announcing right now Mayor Eric Adams is suspended from sitting friends in the morning until further notice. Oh, all right. I was just going to ask with the uh, until further notice. I'm really pissed. Okay, TFN at the end right of that the down, documentation. Yes. Yeah. All right. Because I mean, I, Jim Jordan should be congratulated today. Jim Jordan cares enough about New York and about this fat, you know, corrupt bastard Alvin Bragg to come here. But then you got people of lost loved ones speaking in New York today. New Yorkers. Come on, man. So we'll talk to uh, Curtis Sliwa coming up at 7.05. We'll talk to Rich Lowry coming up at 7.40. Nicole Maliotakis, 8.05. Former Patriot quarterback on today, the 10-year commemoration of the Boston bombing, Scott Zola, coming up at 8.40. And former president of CBS, Dan Mason, who's a Republican like me, but he's a Kentucky guy, and he loves Andy Brashear, and so do I. Traffic is also coming up next. Right now, it's time for the 77 WABC Clip of the Day. Listen to the Cats Roundtable with my guy, John Katsimatidis, where common sense prevails. Always telling both sides of the story every Sunday morning, starting at 8. Listen anytime on the 77 WABC app here. John talks with Newt Gingrich. It's a big concern because our school kids are falling further behind the world as far as education, and uh, uh, I guess that's going to be one big thing that people have to decide uh, in uh, 2024. That's right. It's, it's uh, a lot. A lot of states have started that process because of the power of the teachers' union. New York is behind those states, uh, but I think even in New York, you're going to start seeing people pop up that say, "I want you know, I want the money to follow the child, not the system, and I want I want results for that kind of money." Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. DLM's Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a deal on near you. They're the world's best built boilers. Two wins on the diamond to get to. So let's start with the Yankees who salvaged the finale of their four-game set against the visiting Minnesota Twins uh, with a 2 to nothing shutout win, securing a series split after an off day today. The Yanks will welcome in the Angels for a three-game set beginning tomorrow night at the stadium. Now for the Mets. Who you know what the Angels are today? Yeah, in Boston. That's right. Patriot Day, the only 11 a.m. start of the year. Right uh, after that marathon. Yeah. Ten years today. There Ten years, go. brother. Uh, yeah, really. I mean, it feels like yesterday. My God. It does, Ten yeah. years. I agree. Wild. Not for the Mets, who needed extras in Oakland to best the A's by score 4-3. to three. They'll see if they can stay hot starting tonight in Los Angeles, where they're set to open up a three-game set with the Dodgers. First pitch is scheduled for 10, 10 p.m. Eastern time, with David Peterson set to take the hill against L.A.'s Dustin May. And looking ahead to action tonight on the hardwood, game two of the Eastern Conference first-round playoff matchup between your Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers. Tip-off is scheduled for 7.30 p.m. Eastern time in Philadelphia, with the Sixers currently holding a one to nothing series lead. And on the ice, the Islanders open up their first-round Stanley Cup playoff match 
matchup in Carolina against the one-seed Hurricanes. That is a 7 p.m. puck drop. Here with sports on 77 WABC, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to peerlessboilers.com, pavilliontankless.com to find a deal in their you, the world's best-built boilers. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. from Boston, too. Today we honor Boston. Boston strong, 10 years after the Boston bombings, which, again, the Rosenbergs being a huge marathon family remains very near and dear to us. Not that you have to be a marathon family. You should just be an American. But I don't think a lot of folks are thinking about it today like I am, quite frankly. So we're going to cover it quite a bit on this show, including talking to a guy that played in New England quarterback for many, many, many years and has gone on to become one of the top sports talk personalities in New England, Scott Zolak, coming up at 840. So the cars are from Boston. We played Boston, and we played Boston by Augustana. So before I get to the Donald Trump sound, we've covered this huge House Judiciary Committee meeting today in New York. Congratulations to people like Jim Jordan, Jennifer Harrison, Jose Alba, and others. And shame on the mayor, Eric Adams. Shame on Eric. He should know better. He does know better. He's so he's so caught up in appeasing the low lives in that Democrat party, so caught up on advancing the politics that Eric, who's actually a decent guy, is allowing all of it to make him look like a schmuck. A schmuck. Jennifer Harrison's boyfriend was murdered in cold blood, and you're calling this a Trump donation stunt? She's a New Yorker, Eric. Jose Alba was nearly killed in his own bodega by a couple of lowlives and had to go to jail in New York. He's a New Yorker, Eric. Come on. So I'll get to the uh, Trump NRA stuff. That's the other big story from the weekend. But uh, this is a big week for me. Wednesday is my birthday. But tonight, the Metropolitan Republican Club, a club on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, which is basically a bunch of crazy people. I'm going to say it flat out. I did a book signing there over the summer. I've become very friendly with Krisha Lenzo. She's a great kid. Great kid. Helps out folks like Joe Pinion, Michael Henry. Just a terrific young lady. She was on the show on Friday. She got uh, me to speak there, had a book signing. It was a lovely night. So tonight, after two years of not doing it because of COVID, the Met Gala goes back to their awards dinner. I believe it's the 119th in the history of the organization, which is very impressive. And it's a big deal tonight. And they are honoring three people. How do you say his name? John, Paul, Mac, Isaac. He's got like 19 names. The guy that had the Hunter Biden laptop. 
He'll be there tonight being honored. America's mayor, 3 o'clock every weekday on this station, the great Rudy Giuliani. He's being honored, and I'm being honored. I'm receiving the Warren Brandeis Award for Journalistic Integrity. But the truth is, when Krisha and Lauren Conlon called me, Back last summer, I was at a Met game, a Mets-Cubs game with Bill O'Reilly, and Lauren said, we're going to honor you. And I swear my next response was, for what? (laughs) She said, you are the everyday guy. You are that everyday Republican. You've got a ton of other interests. Your show is great, but people really relate to you. And I like that. Because I don't want to be Steve Bannon. You know, I don't want to be one of those guys running up and down the street, yelling and screaming with the American flag. That's not me. I'm a Republican. There's no question about it. I do have Democrat friends, even some in politics, but I vote Republican, bottom line. So I'm honored to be there tonight, and I found out yesterday who my table is. And you know me, Lou. Who sits next to me matters a lot. So let me give you the people at the table, and I'll tell you, I'll I'll ask you to pick who I should pick, I should say, to sit to my right and Danielle's left. Danielle never goes to these things, ever, ever. But she's actually excited for me. It's a big award. So she's going to come to this event later on tonight and be there, maybe even give it to me. I'm not sure, but she'll be there at the very least. So Sid and Danielle go out on the town in New York later on tonight. Here's the rest of the table. Michael Henry, he's the kid known that ran against Letitia James for attorney general and lost. You like him? Uh, yeah, but uh, you, I right. need more names. All right, write him down. I am. Uh, also down. at the table, he's about to join us in about 15 minutes, Curtis Sliwa. Oh, okay. Also at the table, a friend of mine, she's been on the show a bunch of times. She writes cookbooks with her grandmother, Nona, very attractive young lady, Rosella Rago. Rosella who we met at Il Cortile years ago on Columbus Day. She'll be at the table. Uh, Ashton Randall, do you know who that is? I'm uh, looking through. Some local politician. I don't know who he is either. All right. That means no. Allison Esposito, who, of course, former cop and was Lee Zeldin's lieutenant governor when he ran against Kathy Hochul, and I love her. She's great. Ashley Becker. I believe she's a doctor. Joe Pinion, who oh. ran against Chuck Schumer, very, very good friend of mine, former Newsmax host. Jade Voigt, who does makeup across the street with Maureen Walsh, the lovely Jade Voigt. She's going to be there. Thomas Sheedy. No, who's Tom Sheedy? Is he a politician? That name sounds familiar. He a doctor? I, don't know. I think he's a doctor, maybe. And finally. The pride of Staten Island, former politician, now Newsmax analyst, Michael Grimm. So there it is. Michael Henry, Curtis Sliwa, Rosella Rago, Ashton Randall, Allison Esposito, Ashley Becker, Joe Pinion, Jade Voigt, Thomas Sheedy, and Michael Grimm at Sid and Danielle's table. So i got to put Curtis. Correct. Because I love him. Yeah, he's got to be next to you or next, next to, to Danielle. Danielle. Okay. Right. That's, that's the entertainment for right. You know, when things get, like, a little low, yeah. he'll yell something inappropriate. And that's, <laughs> yeah. That's what you need. Okay. And then I'm thinking either Rosella or Allison right. on the other side. I'm thinking about putting Rosella or Allison next to Danielle and Curtis next to me. 
Okay. What about um, Esposito? Is that Esposito? Yeah, Allison, yeah. Yeah, okay, because that's Lee Zeldin's person. That's right? her, That's his girl, yeah. All right, the only other person I would say is Joe Pinion. Well, he's going to sit with Jade Voigt, though. That's oh. his buddy there, yeah. Okay. All right, so they'll, it's, what is it, like 10 people at this time? Uh, it looks like there's going to be 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 12 people. Okay, I'd like a picture later on. <laughs> oh, you're going to get pictures. I, I want to see, you know. Right during the Islander second period, I want to get <laughs> yeah. my phone buzzing. So, oh, that's right, Islanders tonight. Yes, oof, I know the team that's oof, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oof. big one. Yes. See, the Met game is later. The Mets, who just swept the A's in Oakland, start their series against the Dodgers in Los Angeles. I'll be coming home by the time that game starts. But it is a big one. Isles and Hurricanes game one tonight, and again, Rangers and Devils from Newark. They'll play game one of that series coming up tomorrow. Thank you again to the. Metropolitan Republican Club, Chris Lenzo, Lauren Conlon, all the folks that have decided to give me this award, and Danielle and I are very excited to be there later on tonight. Five great guests, 10-year commemoration of the Boston bombing, and Donald Trump, another big event for the NRA. All this on this epic Monday edition of your favorite talk show in New York City. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, right here on Talk Radio 77. WABC. Friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Please come to Boston for the springtime. Staying here with some friends and they've got lots of room. And you can sell your paintings on the sidewalk. Buy a cafe where I hope to be working soon. Please come to Boston, she said no. Would you come home to me? And she said, hey, Rampin' Boy, now won't you settle down? Boston ain't your kind of town. There ain't no gold and there ain't nobody like me. I'm the number one fan of the man from Tennessee. Dave Loggins, please come to Boston. Boston strong today, today 10 years. Commemorating the Boston bombing attacks at the Boston Marathon. Patriot Day up in Boston today. They'll run it once again. It's a great race. And then the Red Sox will host the Angels, the only 11 a.m. baseball game all year. But again, our hearts and minds with the folks in Boston. We played the David Ortiz speech earlier. The Richard family, specifically Marty Richard, who was killed at eight years old. Three people died that day. Over 150 injured. 17 people lost their limbs. Really one of the more tragic days in the history of this country, another terrorist attack 
while Barack Obama, mind you, was the president. So today we remain Boston strong, but we also remain New York strong because Jim Jordan, the hero out of Ohio, has made his way to New York City, 9 a.m. this morning. There'll be a House Judiciary Committee meeting where a bunch of folks who have suffered at the violence here in New York, Jennifer Harrison, Jose Alba, and others, will have a chance to tell their stories and once again drive home the point that New York, despite Mayor Eric Adams' contentions even moments ago, comparing New York City to Columbus, Ohio, where, by the way, let me tell you, my sister went to Michigan, and I went to football games between the Wolverines and the Buckeyes at Ohio State. I was never worried once walking down the block. Yet Adams just tried to sell some stat, him and Sharpton. There were three times as many murders per 100,000 people in Columbus, Ohio, than New York. I don't believe it. So folks like Harrison and Alba and others will tell their stories today. It's not a, it's not a stunt. It's not about getting Donald Trump donations. It's about fixing New York. And instead of the mayor coming to that realization, he is so tied up in politics, politics and Democrat nonsense that I've done something today. I didn't want to do it, but I had to do it. I have suspended. Yes, yes, yes. I have suspended Mayor Eric Adams from this program oh. until he starts to realize that crime in New York is more important than Joe and Mika, MSNBC, and Democrat politics. And that, yes, you heard in the background is the man, of course, does a great job noon to one every weekday afternoon, all weekend long, the icon, the legend, the great Curtis Sleewell. Oh, God, it was better than triple X-rated <laughs> porno for me. God, it's like a climax for me. Thank you. Thank you, Sid. <laughs> After I went into the lion's uh, cage yesterday with Bill Ritter, Channel 7 Eyewitness I News. I texted you before. I saw the upcoming, the coming. They go, Bill Ritter and Curtis Sliwa. Yeah. Oh, my God. We got right it before on. you, we had that guy Goldman on. That Jewish, uh, yeah, that, that guy, the, the rich kid, yeah, yeah, the rich kid. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's very liberal and progressive because yes. he's very rich. He can avoid all the drive-by shootings. But anyway, me and Bill Ritter really got down to it. He was saying how much safer New York City is. I said, "Hey, Bill, are you freaking out of your mind?" He doesn't know. He's a liar. And he's a liar. I, I said, "This mayor is the mayor of the illegal aliens." Look at today's headline. Half the illegals who we're paying for to stay here at the Holiday Inn and 109 No-Tell Motel Holiday Inn Expresses. And they don't like the food. Oh, I don't want to eat the food. It's not culturally appropriate. We want con rosa bichuelas with two letters on top. Parts of it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. anything you want. Half of them are not even vaccinated for polio. Half of them are not even vaccinated for polio. So before we let them in, even come in here, are we are we checking to see if they're oh, vaccinated? No. Stop. Of come, course not. Come, come. Right. And, you know, and how they make the excuse for New York, I'm watching uh, Al Sharpton and Adams right now. They're talking about this uh, four people being killed, Curtis, as you know about, at this uh, Sweet 16 party in Alabama, another mass shooting. So last week we had mass shootings in Kentucky and Alabama. And for some reason, Eric Adams, Al Sharpton, morons like Bill Ritter, they seem to think that because there's a mass shooting someplace else, that New York is well, safe. Well, Sweet 16 party, that means they're generally 16, 17, 18. How about stopping first, right? How, why do you say, you know, if every one of those young people was stopped in first before they came into the party, because you know you line up to go into a club. They stop and frisk you. They they run the wands on you. They know the problems that can take place when you got 
young men with high levels of testosterone ready to, like, bum rush one another, and they do stop and frisk. But, oh, my God, if you were to say to Al Slim Shady Sharpton and Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, he ain't my mayor, he's mayor of the illegal aliens, stop and frisk, oh, that's racist, that's racist. Who are those people who got shot in Alabama? They were all black. Who are the people who shot them? They were all black. <laughs> yeah. Want to take, take, take care of your own peeps? How about stop and frisk for teenagers who are running wild? Now, tonight you had mentioned that I would be sitting with you. Thank you for putting me right next to you and Danielle. But I am locked into an emergency with Chicago. You talk Boston, and I respect that. But I got to tell you. My second city is Chicago. I spent my first five years there because my father's from Chicago. It is called the second city, too. Yeah. And <laughs> I've got guardian angels here galore, 46 in Rockwell, which is where I uh, grew up the first five years, Polish then, now all Mexican. Did you see what's happened ever since they elected Brandon Johnson, the socialist? And by the way, Eric Adams, did you go in there and campaign for Vaz, the moderate Democrat? No. You know who went in and campaigned for Bernie Johnson? AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Bernie the Altacaca Sanders, and Randy the Winer Weingarten, who was on the five with John Katsimatidis here and saying, oh, Brandon Johnson, he's such a good guy. Defund the police, remove the police, close the prisons. He's the mayor of Chicago, worse than Lightfoot, lightweight, a uh, Beetlejuice. Was. Is he really worse than Lori Lightfoot? Absolutely right. You know what he said this weekend? Teenagers ran wild downtown and took over all of downtown. State Street, uh, Grand Park, tourists were like diving for cover. Two days in a row. You know what he said? This behavior is unacceptable. But not, it's not constructive to demonize young people who have been starved of opportunities. Well, you do know that uh, Brandon Johnson did run. He did run on defunding the police. Yes. So he, he, all he's doing is fulfilling his promise. Yeah, but you see, the socialists who I'm at war with, as you know, right here in New York City, flooded into Chicago to help him get elected. Where was Eric Adams? Where was Al Sim Shady Sharpton and the rest of these guys saying, oh, yeah, we got to take on the socialists? Look down your trousers, and you know, your manhood has become little cocktail oh, onions. No. <laughs> they refuse to take on the socialists. They refuse to name and shame it. And Al Slim Shady Sharpton, who did he have as a headline guest at his convention at the Sheraton? AOC, all out yes. crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Well, he also had Letitia James and Alvin Bragg. Yes. Now, you are in a war with AOC, but before you get to that, so you're going to Chicago today? Well, I have to coordinate bringing Guardian Angels in. Let me give you the details. So two nights in a row, teenagers, flash mob, went out, took over all of Chicago. Before that, three armored cars robbed a gunpoint in one day. Walmart is pulling out all of their stores in Chicago. It's going to be a ghost town. And what were they given? They were rewarded with the DNC convention. You think Eric Adams would be angry? They didn't give him the DNC convention? Oh, no, he's convention? angry. I, I know for a fact, you may remember that he compared himself favorably to Joe Biden weeks and weeks ago. He was sucking up to the federal government to get the DNC here. In fact, I had a conversation with two guys I like. I know you don't, but I do, Frank and Anthony Carone. I said, Anthony, if I'm going to be friends with the mayor, he cannot compare himself favorably to Biden. And Anthony made the point, listen, the DNC is worth millions, if not billions, look, look, to look, New York look, City. Look at this, right? He yeah. didn't get the convention. Right. They sent it to Chicago. They're going to have to build walls around the convention yes. because of all the crime. Yes. It's going to look like Baghdad, you know, with the green wall. 
<laughs> Secondly, he hasn't gotten a penny from Biden for all the illegal aliens that he's welcomed in. He's ruining this city, and he walks around without Slim Shady Shump. Doesn't that well, tell hold you on something? A second. Hold on, i got to stop you there, because I did suspend the mayor. And I am certainly more on your side of the street than I was before. But you can't say he's ruining the city. It was already ruined by Bill de Blasio. His job was to fix it. He promised he would fix it, and he's not doing that. But he's not ruining the city. The city was already ruined. Is that fair to say? De Blasio already ruined the city, but Adams promised to fix it, and he's not doing that. Oh, man, are you getting weak. <laughs> How about expulsion? How about permanent expulsion? I can't do that. You yet. know, I got kicked out of high school, broken prep by the Jesuits. Your prime, Peter King, right? Hey, how's George Santos doing? He's running for re-election, Peter King. Why do you attach George Santos's name to Peter King? Well, because the Nassau County Republicans were the ones who said, hey, elect George Santos. But, 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 but you would think that, you know, you're talking about Joe Cairo and all those folks, which are fine people, great people, including Peter King, who had a huge fight with on Friday, but you even his competition Zimmerman had no idea. By even the, the way, Democrat. by the way, uh, George Santos gave Nassau County GOP one hundred and eighty-five thousand dollars, huh, to stay quiet, to take the code of Omerta. And by the way, I want to compliment you and Peter King. That was one of the best moments of radio. You guys going back and forth. Thank you. On Teixeira, who I thought was related to Mark Teixeira, at first, the former first baseman <laughs> of the Yankees. Right? Now, you sent me a lovely text right afterwards. Now, let me be very, very clear. It was great radio. Oh, the best. Pete made his points. I made my points. And at the very end, we made up. We love each other. We texted each other all weekend long. There's like zero Oh, he animosity. was too good, Chavez. He was going right, to stir right. the empire, coach right. the chicken with you, but, light but, the candles. But don't confuse the issue. I kicked the living daylights out of Peter King because he kept saying time and time again, He's too young to go to jail. I never said that. I said, yes, he has to go to yeah, jail. Yeah, but, but still. But that but is a much bigger issue. Put that aside. That yeah. was great talk oh, radio. great radio. It yes. wasn't Barney radio. I love you. <laughs> you love me. Like talk TV has become. They have the Hollywood Square, six guests, and they're all like... No, I, 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 I totally agree with you. Oh, no, no. Actually, I agree with him more. Making it boring. Boy, this was interesting. You weren't going to turn the channel. Not at no. all. No, no, no. To the both of you, I give props. Thank you very much, Curtis. Thank you. So you're not going to be at this event tonight. I can't. Gonna I can't. Week. i got an emergency you're, situation you're in going to Chicago. Well, I'm not going. I'm coordinating you're from coordinating. here. Yeah. I'm moving Guardian Angels around from D.C., from New York, from Cleveland, gotcha. from Milwaukee, into Chi-Town. Now, give me the latest. Uh, you have been doing a really good job talking about the Metropolitan Republican Club, which will honor me tonight. You've been opening up all over New York City the Ronald Reagan Clubs. Yes. And uh, I know that you're also in a war at the same time with all-out crazy AOC. Tell the listeners about the latest with that. Uh, before we get to that, you're getting an award for journalistic integrity. That's quite my third one in two years. Excuse me. We are not <laughs> journalists. We are highly opinionated, and every time we make a mistake in talk radio, we never go back to the mistake and correct it. We are not freaking journalists. I say that all the time. I say I'm a half-assed entertainer that every now and then discusses some really serious issues. I'm not a journalist. I'm not a newsmaker, even though I do break news because I know people in the business. But the truth is, I'm what you're saying. I'm an entertainer. I don't want to be that no, guy. No, you're, you're, you're have no, you don't want to be that guy. You know, we have one guy, normally in our news director. I'm going to save it for the next time I'm here. <laughs> okay. A red diaper doper baby who what? went to commie camp where Matt Trudge was his camp's 
supervisor. Uh, we got to get to know him And right I believe now. that he was away on Friday <laughs> at the Cuban embassy paying respects what? to the death of Fidel and Raul Castro. Now, wait a second. We've got about 60 seconds here. Uh, is Curtis right about this? He is can... not. And not only is he wrong, but I actually have tape. I'll play it later. Of... Curtis admitting that he is a communist himself. Yeah, well, he is a communist. Oh, I went we to communist meetings. I, I admit that. He wears a red beret. Exactly. <laughs> but by the way, on, on the battle with AOC, all our crazy Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the Socialists of America, she had a meeting in Astoria Park. And she announced, we are the People's Republic of Astoria. We have every elected position, which he is correct. And I opened up the Ronald Reagan Club right in Astoria. We have a meeting Tuesday night to take back Astoria. And every community in the five boroughs from the socialists, we opened up a Ronald Reagan Club just last week in Staten Island to keep the socialists out of there. You gotta, you gotta battle them. You can't capitulate. Look, look at your guy, your former guy, right? Eric Adams, right? All of a sudden, Eric Adams, he won't name and shame them. Do you know that two Saturday nights ago, he had over for dinner at Grace Mansion, AOC all out crazy, and her mini-me, Caban, who wants to remove the police, remove prisons. Why was he having a dinner with him? He was making a deal, Sid. You must expel him from WABC, the morning show. He has defiled your friendship. To hell of Frank and Anthony Carone. Let them all leave town because they've destroyed New York City. And we're here to fight for what we know is right and kick the socialists out who want to turn this into the socialist capital of the world. Damn you! This is capitalism. This is democracy. This is America. And we're going to fight for what we know is right. I'm the number one fan of the man from Tennessee. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Drunk Macedonia Phil doing this song at the company Christmas party. <laughs> this one I'll never forget. So good, so good. Of course, this uh, was playing. <laughs> yeah, oh. this is uh, Boston Strong today on the <laughs> Sid Rosenberg show as we commemorate ten years of the tragic Boston bombings. My beautiful wife Danielle, who received the Abbott Award for completing the six major marathons in Boston, is one of those, along with. New York, Chicago, London, Japan, and Berlin. 
ran the Boston Marathon four years after the bombings. Now we're six years after that, and that was a whole week of craziness. And it uh, turns out they found that second brother, Jotar, whatever the hell his name is, bleeding from the neck in a boat in Boston on my birthday, April 19th, which is coming up in two days. This Wednesday, God willing, I'll be 56. But, of course, it all started six days prior, that Sunday, April the 13th. Just a horrible day. Three people killed, little Marty Richard, eight years old. Seventeen people lost their limbs. And a day for me in my lifetime, not there, of course, with um, 9-11. But, you know, again, folks, think about how they talk about January 6th. Think about how Democrats talk about January 6th, how that's the worst day in the history of the country and the worst day, they say. Worse. Worse than 9-11. Worse than Pearl Harbor. Well, that's utterly ridiculous. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people died on those days. But even this day in Boston was a hundred times more tragic. A hundred times. There are 17 people walking around to this day with one leg and one arm. Little Marty Richard was a beautiful little blonde boy who loved the Boston Bruins. His sister lost a leg, his little sister. But as Marty Richard laid on the ground, his father actually said, I saw my son's skin change color. The explosion ripped his body and changed his color, and he died. And these scumbags talk about January 6th like it's the worst day in history. See why I get upset? Even the conversation with Peter King on Friday. How many times do I got to say the same thing? Even I got a call from Bo Deedle, and Bo wasn't really listening that much either. How many times do I have to say over and over again? That kid deserves to go to jail. I never said for a minute, he's too young, don't send him to jail. I don't believe most kids at 21 are men. Most kids at 21 are at Ohio State still doing beer bongs. I don't care about, oh, well, I was a cop, well, I was a soldier. That's not the majority. Most kids at 21 are not even close to being men. I wasn't. Not even at 41. This kid never in a million years should have had that information. There are a lot of folks at the Pentagon who should be in prison right next to this kid, right next to this kid. That was my major, major point on Friday. Not that this kid should walk away, but also to say this kid should spend the rest of his life in prison or get the death penalty. That's beyond stupid. We got to go there, really? Yes, put the kid in jail. He did something dangerous and bad. Not the rest of his life. And he's not the issue. The issue is, how did that happen? How in God's name did that happen? And we'll talk to Rich Lowry about that coming up at 740. But, man, this Boston bombing thing was horrendous. In fact, let's take you back to that fateful morning 10 years ago when somebody I don't really like, but he's been on TV a long time, George Stephanopoulos. Channel 7, ABC News, broke into regularly scheduled programming to deliver this news on that day. So this, uh, Lewis, would be cut number 15. This is an ABC News special report. 
Good afternoon. I'm George Stephanopoulos in New York. We're interrupting your program because there have been two explosions today at the Boston Marathon. Two explosions near the finish line just a short while ago. You see the scene right there. Explosions right by the finish line. The winners had passed several hours before. Some stragglers were coming by, but several people on the scene are said to be injured. One man whose bib number was 17528, Frank DeWright of North Carolina, said there are a lot of people down. You see the commotion right there in Boston today. Of course, the Boston Marathon, one of the premier sporting events in the country. Two white explosions near the finish line in short sequence. And today, of course, is Patriots Day in Boston, 10 years later, which means they will run the marathon and the only 11 a.m. Major League Baseball game of the season, the Red Sox, will host the Anaheim Angels. My dear friend Joseph Abood will be there. Former Red Sox great David Ortiz took to Fenway Park right after the Boston bombings. Very reminiscent, if you will, of some of what the Yankee players did in 2001 in their epic World Series against the Arizona Diamondbacks after 9-11. Ortiz took to the field at Fenway Park and made it very clear to the Red Sox faithful, great mans, great mans, it's a great city. That America, this is our city, we come first. Cut number 17. This jersey that we wear today, it doesn't say Red Sox. It say Boston. We want to thank you, Mayor Menino, Governor Patrick, the whole police department, for the great job that they did this past week. This is our city. And nobody gonna dictate our freedom. Stay strong. Thank you. Congratulations, David Ortiz. And we do stay strong today, 10 years later, here on Sitting Friends in the Morning. We are Boston Strong. Radio 77, this is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Ron DeSantis loves sticking his fingers where they don't belong. And we're not just talking about pudding. DeSantis has his dirty fingers all over senior entitlements. Like cutting Medicare, slashing Social Security, even raising our retirement age. Tell Ron DeSantis to keep his pudding fingers off our money. Oh, and simply get this man a spoon. Make America Great Again, Inc. is responsible for the content of this advertising. All right, 742. I wanted to play that uh, Trump commercial, but that's okay for O'Lowry on uh, DeSantis. <laughs> we got a lot to discuss anyway, so here he is, the editor of the National Review, also political NBC, just a great Monday morning guest. 
My guy, Rich Lowry. Richard, how are you, buddy? What's up, Sydney? Well, let's start with this. Uh, we'll get to Trump in a second. This Teixeira kid. Uh, Peter King uh, texted me. Of course he did. <laughs> Radcliffe said yesterday he's going to cost Americans lives. Okay, maybe he will. Again, for the, I guess, the billionth time, I've never said the kid is innocent. I've never said don't put the kid in jail. What I'm saying is there's a much, much bigger problem at the Pentagon when a person who's 21 years old, and you can talk to your blue on the base, you're not going to convince me, most people I know that are 21 are still kids. When that person has that much intelligence at his fingertips to share in a chat room, that's the real story here. That's my opinion. Yeah, that's a legit point. I would just say, you know, we're asking kids 18, 19 years old to to uh, go out and die and to, to, to lead other kids into battle in some cases. So uh, you're in the military. You, you grow up fast. It's not like, you know, you, you and me, who, you know, I heard you earlier, who were adolescent, you know, to age 40. <laughs> we don't yeah. have that luxury in the military. Yeah, but this kid, and, doesn't, this kid doesn't have a gun. He's out in a cave in Afghanistan. He's living yeah, at home in Massachusetts like I'm living at home with my mother and father, putting on a suit every day and, and, and basically acting like an adult and going to chat rooms during the night. Yeah, but I mean, he signed up, and I, we, I have a colleague who, uh, a junior guy in the Navy, and when the the uh, Trump and Biden classified document stuff was breaking, he wrote about how th- these briefings about how you're supposed to handle classified material are ex- extremely strict. It's not as though it, it, anyone is under I- any mistaken impression that it's okay, you know, just to leave something on your desk, you know. So, so, and, and he knew. I believe he was chatting with his friends. Oh, I might get in trouble. I'm doing it this way. I got to do it this other right. way. So he fully knew that what he was doing is wrong. So I think of course he did. When when you're when 21, you know, may, maybe you have some crazy ideas. But he knew this was wrong. Well, so, of course you know, he I did. But it doesn't matter. Against, uh, against the wall at dawn, but it was it's a major offense. No, no, it is a major offense, and he should go to prison. I don't think he should go to prison the rest of his life or be executed. But why can't it be both? Like, why am I arguing with Peter King? I'm agreeing that the kid should be held responsible. I'm agreeing with that. I think it's a problem that it, that anyone so young has so much access yes. to so much stuff. Why can't yeah, it be that's both? A point. That's a legit point. It's a legit yeah, point. I'm going to let you fight with Peter King, but I'll, I'll, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll concede that's a legit point. Yeah, I mean, of course I'm not going to get that out of uh, watch Lindsey Graham. Yesterday. He's like, oh, kill the kid, kill the kid. <laughs> you and your buddy John Bolton, kill the kid, kill the kid. Calm down. Jeez. It's both, Peter King. It's both, uh, Lindsey Graham. It is, yes, the kid should go to jail for a while, and he should be held responsible. And although I think he's a kid at 21, he did a really, really, really bad thing, which may or may not. I know people right away, people are going to die. Let, let, let's, let's calm down, okay? Maybe, maybe not. But there's a bigger issue with the Pentagon that needs to be addressed, and maybe this now will do that. Now let's get to Trump. So Trump, his numbers are still going up. So DeSantis, I've been told, again, here comes Peter King's name, but him and Bo Deedle keep telling me that they can't vote for Trump because Trump is not electable. Yet, yet. One of the biggest GOP donors out there this weekend pulled their money from Ron DeSantis because of DeSantis's stand on abortion, now a six-week ban in Florida, and, of course, books, the book deal. That guy, the GOP donor, says DeSantis is not electable. So who's not electable now? It's Lowry. <laughs> so I think Trump is electable in the sense he could – he could win. I would put it maybe 30% odds at the moment, but who knows? You know, he could get a, a major recession, could be on the way. 
at any given moment, Joe Biden could have a Mitch McConnell-style fall, you know, hurts his head, concussion, has to be in a rehab facility, which would be devastating for a president of the United States. So I'm not saying that Trump can't win. I, I do think Trump is is still the riskiest choice. Um, sure, they'll hammer DeSantis on that. I think the, the book banning thing's a, a bum rap, but it, you know he, he signed a six-week ban, and there are a lot of pla- a lot of people um, places where that's not going to be uh, popular. I think it'll be fine in Florida. Um, but yeah, the, but this is a big me, deal. The main thing that they, they got on Trump is the stop the steal stuff, which. Um, uh, all, all the candidates who uh, in the midterms who were associated with that, almost all of them lost. So th- that's the thing that, that I think makes them most radioactive, and DeSantis doesn't have that vulnerability. But this is a big deal. When money starts to go away, mm-hmm. and Trump has now raised, I believe, somewhere around $30 million since he was indicted and arraigned a couple of weeks yeah, ago. Huge. When big money starts to go away, that's a big deal. You, cannot, yeah, you can't I, minimize say, that. Said my take is that people were too, maybe including me, too optimistic about DeSantis beginning of the year. Probably too down on him now. I mean, we we do need to wait until he's actually in the race. But there's no doubt, and and this, you know, we've talked about for for a while now. Trump is the odds-on favorite for the Republican nomination. I think he's beatable, but you know, it's sixty forty, or you know, maybe, maybe more than that. Um, th- there's no doubt about that. All right, let's get to what's going on in New York City today, Rich. Good local story, being you are a New York guy, and that is Jim Jordan is here. Jennifer Harrison was a friend of mine. Her boyfriend was murdered years ago on Long Island. She's going to speak today. Of course, Jose Alba, the bodega owner, who had to move because he was treated so crappy by this city. and uh, terrible. Terrible. So they're all speaking today, and instead of people like Mayor Eric Adams saying, hey, we do have a crime issue, what's getting better We've got a crime issue. We need to address this. He's calling this basically a Trump donation. I've suspended the mayor from this program now for being so petty. I mean, God, enough with the Democrat politics. Come to the realization he tried to make some point on MSNBC this morning that the murder rate in Columbus, Ohio, where the Buckeyes play, is three times as much as New York. I mean, give me a break. Why can't these officials care about the city first and put their stupid, petty Democrat politics aside? They're, I mean, they're Democrats, and you know th- this is the thing about, about Eric Eric Adams all along. You know, he he is a Democrat. Sounded different on crime during the the primaries. That's that's big reason why he won. But there's just no way he's ever going to welcome a Jim Jordan, you know, who's um, not not at the very top of the list of uh, hate figures for the left, but but he's up there. there there's no way he's ever going to welcome him to the city or or say he has a point about anything. So. You're uh, you're down on the mayor too. I mean, you're a New York guy. You're down on the mayor too. Yes. Yes. I, I, I've never been up on him. I, I've, um, <laughs> I've been more with Curtis than you on this one, Sid. Unfortunately. <laughs> so, the other question was, and I had Alan Dershowitz on the show Friday. Can Jim Jordan do this? You know, kind of uh, go after Alvin Bragg, and he said. He thinks he legally can. I got to tell you, I don't really care either way. Make a spectacle of it. Make a circus of it. I don't care. These people have been through hell, murders in their family and all these types of things. So they should have a right to speak. So I don't care either way. I think what Jim Jordan is doing today is terrific. Yeah, well, the the the, uh, the deli owner is sort of Trump before Trump. Obviously, much different circumstances. But Bragg's going to let everyone off. And then, and then it seemed initially he was going to try to nail to the wall a guy who acted totally in self-defense. It was just perverse. 
and a guy who, who didn't have a lot of connections, didn't have a lot of resources. Uh, it was crazy. And, um, you know, Trump, Trump's kind of a white-collar version of the same thing. You know, yeah. if, if Trump had, had mugged Stormy Daniels, he'd <laughs> be back on the street and, you know, he'd be free to mug again. But uh, because he's Donald Trump, that's not the case. I just want to go back to this to share a story. Let me put on record for people like Pete King and others who for some reason think I'm okay with what this kid did. I've never said that, not for a second. I think Marjorie Taylor Green's stance was disgusting. I do. He's not a hero. But he did tell the truth. There's no question he told the truth. Lloyd Austin is no good, but he's not a hero. So every now and then, Marjorie Taylor Greene, in her, you know, so fervent in her Republican stand, does say things like that. And I am totally against it. So it should make Peter King happy. He is not a hero. And Marjorie Taylor Greene, what she said, was 100% wrong. So, so when are you going to have Pete on to just... Have this hash this out. Well, we had a fight on Friday about it, bud. Okay. Yeah. Then I was watching uh, Amy Amy Klobuchar was on yesterday. I was watching um, Jonathan Call was filling in for Stephanopoulos. It was really horrible. But I was watching it anyway, and uh, Klobuchar was talking about this abortion pill. And, uh, look, we know what they've got, the Democrats, which they've got two issues, abortion and guns. That's it. But this abortion thing no question it cost Republicans back in 2022. And between the pill, the Supreme Court, and, of course, DeSantis's six-week abortion plan, it seems to me like Republicans are playing right into the hands of Democrats with this. What do you think? Yeah, yeah it depends on the place. You know, the, Brian Kemp in Georgia, Kim Reynolds in, in Iowa, governor of Ohio, they all signed six-week bans prior to the midterms and, and did just fine. Um, but, you know, those are entrenched popular politicians and uh, conserv- socially conservative states. If Republicans try to pass a six-week ban nationally, I mean, it would be, be a debacle. And I think they, they seem to be um, sort of crab-walking their, their way to the position, we're not going to do anything nationally at, at the moment, and we're just going to leave it at, at uh, state level, um, which makes some political sense. And then the, 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 the abortion pill, that decision, you know, I think there's some good aspects of it, but it's not going to stand. And fighting on the abortion bill is, a pill is not the best, uh, uh, not, not the strongest ground for Republicans, obviously. So I spent a lot of time already this morning talking about the 10-year commemoration of the bombings in Boston. And right before you came on, I know you heard me say it, you got folks yelling and screaming about January 6th, which wasn't nearly as violent. Forget about 9-11 or Pearl Harbor. wasn't nearly as violent as just the bombings in Boston that day where hundreds of were injured and three people died and 17 people lost their limbs. I don't think we spent enough time talking about that day. I do on this show today, but, my God, what a tragic day that was. Yeah, awful. And it, that, that was very moving, your, the, your description of, of uh, oh, thank you. some of the carnage. Martin uh, Richard, yeah. Thank that you. Day. Yeah. Oh, man, just just heart wrenching. And still, you know, we, we've kind of uh, sad to say we've sort of forgotten uh, about 9-11, you know, not intellectually, but the, the sort of gut punch aspect of it for a lot of people has gone away. And that that was when when most people still had that feeling uh, we were all on edge. And the Boston Marathon very much played into and augmented that kind mm-hmm. of um emotional sentiment, which which is, is, for better or worse, is now gone. So, by the way, Wednesday, I turned 56. It's my birthday. These three things happened on my birthday. A, they found the younger Tsarnev brother, I think he was 19, I think Tamlin was 26, bleeding from the neck in that boat in Boston. B, you ready for this? 
That was the day they burned down Waco, Texas. Oh, yeah, another horrible David day. Koresh. And C, on my birthday, that was the Timothy McVeigh, Oklahoma City bombing. Oh, yeah. 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 Those are, whoa. Wow. Right? And, and you know what? Pretty bad event. As bad as that was, I'm still the day before Adolf Hitler's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> he comes up Thursday the 20th. <laughs> but those are some major events on they my are. birthday, yes? They are. Uh, we had an anniversary of Waco. You know, it's just amazing to think back that Janet Reno skated yeah. over, I know. over Waco. Oh, right. my God. Oh, my God. David Koresh had more firepower than, than most governments have uh, in the world today. But anyway, those uh, those were days gone by, and now things have gotten worse. Anyway, you are the absolute best. I love having you on every Monday morning. Thank you again for a great appearance. We'll do it again soon. Thank you, Rich. Thanks, Ed. My man, Rich Lowry, the editor of the National Review, Political, NBC, all that good stuff, wraps up a pretty good 7 o'clock hour with both Curtis Sliwa and Rich Lowry. Still to come, a lot more to do. Nicole Maliotakis, we will go to Boston, speak to former Patriot quarterback Scott Zolak. We'll talk to the former president of CBS, Dan Mason, and more. The Monday edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning rolls on with more than a feeling from Boston as today we remain Boston strong. Friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Another pretty good Boston band right here, Aerosmith. As today, we remain Boston strong, commemorating 10 years 
Since those tragic Boston bombings, we'll talk to former Patriot quarterback and Boston Sports Talk superstar Scott Zola coming up at 840. Aerosmith, dream on. You know, I think um, a lot of the folks that I'm arguing with over this Teixeira kid, and we're arguing we actually agree with each other. It's both. It's He's too young, and he should still go to jail for a very long time. But I think people are confusing courage with maturity. I don't know how much maturity it takes to take a gun and go into Afghanistan and kill somebody. It takes a lot of courage. These kids have more heart than anybody you'll ever meet in your life. A tremendous amount of courage and heart. But mature, that makes them mature because they got a gun and want somewhere to kill somebody? I don't think so. So I remain very steadfast in my opinion that a 21-year-old kid should never have that type of information. He's in a chat room like my 14-year-old son. He, don't, he should never have that information. doesn't make you mature because you're courageous, like a cop or a soldier. But anyway, my next guest, I'm sure had a great time yesterday celebrating Greek Easter from District 11, one of the most impressive politicians in the country. We've got her right here from Staten Island and Brooklyn, my friend Nicole Maliotakis. Nicole, good morning, sweetie. How are you? Good morning. Great to be with you. Great to have you, too. By the way, Jennifer Harrison will join me coming up in about 15 minutes. Jennifer is with Jim Jordan, Jose Alba, and a host of others in lower Manhattan this morning at this House Judiciary Committee meeting, where, of course, they're going over some of the crimes in an effort to point out what a lousy job Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg is doing. So Jen Harrison will join me at 825. And I guess we should start right there, Nicole. I commend Jim Jordan on this. I think more cities should actually do it. But why not start right here with the worst of them all, Alvin Bragg? You're absolutely right. And this is something that I've uh, been advocating for. Jim Jordan has been fantastic. And uh, we've, we've talked about legislation that I've drafted, the Prosecutors Need to Prosecute Act, to expose rogue DAs like Alvin Bragg. And so I'm really happy that he's coming to New York City. I'm actually going to be heading there myself soon uh, because we need to let the public know the reality here. You have Hakeem Jeffries out there. You have Jerry Nadler out there, Mark Levine, the Manhattan Borough President, all out there saying that this is just perception, that there's really not a crime issue. I mean, it's absolutely outrageous that our elected leaders are telling the public that we don't have a crime issue when the fact is that if you add up all the felonies and all the misdemeanors in New York City, they have increased just over the last year from 2021 to 2022 by 20%. And since the bail law took effect, the disastrous monstrosity that they passed in Albany, which we've been fighting so hard to get fixed, um, we've seen uh, major felonies, the seven majors, the top seven majors, which would be everything from murder, rape, robbery, felony assault, burglary, Grand larceny, auto thefts, those are the seven major felonies. They have skyrocketed 25% since the bail law took effect. So they are playing numbers with the game. Uh, they're playing games with the numbers, but these are the numbers that really matter. Most, uh, whether it's a misdemeanor or whether it's a felony, you add those numbers up, it all comes out to being increase of double digits. And so uh, we need we need uh, to expose this. We need to push back on this narrative that you're seeing from the Democrat left that have actually put these policies in place and made New York City less safe. And that is exactly what the purpose of this hearing is today. You know, funny, you mentioned a bunch of people, but not the mayor. And it is no secret. It's been in many newspapers here, New York Daily News, more that the mayor and I have uh, forged a friendship. He's on this show quite a bit. He has not been on, though, for a bunch of weeks, and I haven't reached out. I was very angry with him the morning that Trump got indicted, before he knew Trump was getting indicted. 
I asked Adams, his last appearance on my show, if he thought Alvin Bragg was doing a good job, and he said yes, and that really pissed me off. Now, this morning is on MSNBC with Al Sharpton, another horrible person, going over the crime numbers and trying to convince me that per 100,000 people, the murder rate in Columbus, Ohio, where the Buckeyes play football, is triple what it is in New York. So I don't believe him, but even if it's true, why do I care? If Ohio's got bigger numbers, that's where Jim Jordan is from. I care about the numbers here. And the numbers here, regardless of Ohio or Florida, are still way too high. Why wouldn't Eric Adams care more about that than comparing his city to others? Yeah, look, if you take those seven major felonies that I mentioned and you divide the the number of arrests there uh, by the population of New York City, it comes out to be like one out of 67. So one out of 67 New Yorkers is a victim of one of those crimes. And if you throw in the the non-seven major felonies and uh, the misdemeanors, we're talking about one out of 18 people uh, being a victim of a crime. If you if you go by the population of the city, that is extraordinarily high, and we haven't been there in a long time. Uh, and so, I, I, I you know, I, it, what really mind boggles me and gets I think the public upset is that you actually have these elected leaders, the people whose job it is to keep us safe, going out there saying that everything's fine, there's nothing to see here. They are defending the the, the criminals and. Majority of victims under Alvin Bragg, right, in Manhattan, the majority of the victims do not get justice because roughly half felonies lead, in, lead to conviction. Uh, less than a third of the misdemeanors end up with a conviction. And then that doesn't even include the 1,100 felonies he just decided to not even prosecute. So, you know, when you, when you see that the vi- majority of victims are not getting justice under a particular district attorney, that is a problem. District Attorney only cares about putting Trump away, get Trump. The Alan Dershowitz spoke the same thing with the Attorney General, Letitia James. They're both terrible. And, and look, this is uh, what he set out to do. He set it from day one, get Trump, put Trump away. And, and that's all he's uh, concerned about. So now, of course, we saw the indictment, which was a joke. We saw the arraignment, which was actually very sad to watch. And even Adams this morning on MSNBC uh, talked about this hearing, this committee, I should say, meeting today with Jordan and all these victims as a quote-unquote big Trump donation. I mean, the Trump derangement syndrome is alive and well, Nicole. It is worse than ever. And what they don't get is the more they do that, the better chance of giving him of returning to Pennsylvania Avenue. Yeah, well, and, and if you look at the staff, it's about 1,600 people, I think, that work in the DA's office, unbelievably large number, um, considering all these cases that aren't even being convicted and in convictions. Um, but really what this is is he's created a constitutional crisis, Alvin Bragg. He is weaponizing our justice system, and this is just the latest attempt by Democrats to interfere, okay, with our election, to undermine our democracy. Remember, they always accuse the Republicans of that. They're the ones who are actually doing it. And thankfully, we've been able to stop them so far. Because remember, they tried to pack the Supreme Court. They wanted to radically change our election laws. That was one of the first bills that I debated in Washington. You know, they tried to radically change our election laws. They wanted same-day voter registration. They wanted taxpayers to fund their campaigns. They wanted ballot harvesting. They wanted all these all these types of things that would have just, you know, really led to fraud. Um, and and they also attempted to end the Senate filibuster. Remember that one. And then here in New York City, they tried to let non-citizens vote in our elections. We sued. Uh, We sued, and we were able to stop them. 
And then they tried to gerrymander our districts, districts like mine, to try to tilt the scale and give themselves an advantage. We sued and we won again. We were able to get fair maps for New York. What happens when you get fair maps? Well, Republicans win because we're better on the ideas and the policies and the proposals, uh, and we actually win elections then. And so um, that is why we have a House majority right now is because of that lawsuit that was based on my district. Because remember, they tried to put me Staten Island and move me all the way to Park Slope and that whole you know, gerrymandering, uh, egregious gerrymandering by the corrupt d- Democrats in Albany. Uh, because we won that lawsuit, got fair maps, we have a House majority right now. But listen, you, know, you, you, read, you read the paper, I'm sure, last week that – you know, Tish James and Kathy, and Kathy Hochul, they're trying to now bring this to court again, and they want to they want to redistrict the maps that were already drawn by an independent master as a result of the lawsuit uh, because they drew unconstitutional maps. Um, unbelievable that they're trying to bring this case up again uh, to try to, uh, you know, steal seats from us. You know, I was in a cab last week, and I thought about you because I was in a certain part of New York City, and I noticed that all of a sudden – the price of my ride increased quite a bit. And I must say that when congestion pricing first became a big issue here in New York, that of all the local politicians, and you're really national too, I get it, but uh, nobody was better on that than you. Now, I know Kathy Hochul has held up the budget because of bail reform, which is, I guess, somewhat shocking. But the point is, the budget is still being held up. Congestion pricing, there's other issues in the city. You talked about her and James trying to uh, redistrict again. And now, of course, this latest judge of hers, what a complete disaster. This guy lets rapists out. I mean, Kathy Hochul has to be the most inept and worst governor, worse than Cuomo maybe, in the history of this state. Yes or no? Well, look, it's, it's well, yes, and, 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 but what I would say is, is they're trying to do this to, again, rig, rig the courts uh, because they didn't like the outcome when it went to the Court of Appeals, which was all Democrat appointees, by the way. They didn't like that they ruled uh, in favor of you know, the Republicans who had sued because of these gerrymandered districts. So they're trying to change the outcome, you know, the courts, uh, the, the makeup of the court to affect the outcome of the court. I think that's what's happening here, and that's very unfortunate. Uh, and that just shows how corrupt and how, how they just don't stop the antics. Uh, but I'm confident that we've been able to stop them. All those list of, of what I mentioned before, of the ways that they've had tried to undermine our democracy, um, and, and we have fought them and won each and every time. Uh, we have to do it again. We have to make sure that uh, we preserve our judicial system, that we preserve uh, our, our um, institutions, the way we conduct our elections, um, and 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 that's really, I think, what, one of the biggest battles we have right now in this country is making sure that uh, we protect these incredible institutions that made us the nation that we are. Just had this conversation moments ago in the call with Rich Lowry, and that is that a very big GOP donor has decided to bail on Ron DeSantis. Two major reasons, of course, the latest abortion ban. So basically, DeSantis' stance on abortion and, of course, the book ban down in Florida but the biggest story is, is that the GOP donor said, I got to take my money out because it's becoming increasingly clear that Ron DeSantis is no longer electable. That has been the argument I've heard from some of my best friends against Donald Trump, that he's not electable yet. A huge donor just pulled their money after the abortion ban from Ron DeSantis. What do you think about that? Well, you know, I, I remain hopeful that either of them would be electable against Joe Biden. I think, you know, we really do need to get back, though, to the important issues that are facing this country. And that is, 
you know, our economy. We need to get inflation under control. We need to ramp up domestic energy production. President Trump did all those things. He was working to secure our border. He, he had a track record of doing uh, smart uh, policy uh, initiatives. Okay, but, but let me stop you for a second. You're right. He, he did all of that, and yet, yet, most of the candidates he endorsed lost going back to the election day just last year. And that is because, whether you want to admit it or not, the Republican stance on abortion specifically is way too wide, way too wide. Do you not admit, Nicole, that unless Republicans find a way to center up on this abortion issue, it could be an ugly 2024 again, even though you just named Trump's great track record? Well, yeah, I think I think that did play a role, and I think that's why it did have the effect that it had in other other states here in New York. The Supreme Court decision. I think that's because New York had the most radical uh, late term law. You know, up until birth, you can have an abortion, uh, and they wanted the taxpayers to pay for it. Um, and and Kathy Hochul was advertising, you know, tourism come to New York. Uh, and 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 actually, New York's law goes so far that if a woman is assaulted and loses her baby in uh in an attack uh that there's there's no there's no there's no charge for that it's not considered a crime the, the murder of the baby and that i think is what really differentiates new york from from other areas and i think that's why it didn't play here in new york like it perhaps it had in other areas i also think you know you have to endorse candidates that reflect their districts i think in some cases uh some of the candidates were that were endorsed uh were not uh, reflective of their constituency. I mean, you know, people want to elect somebody that they feel is one of them. That's what a representative is. You're supposed to be going to Washington to represent uh, our views. And, and that's why it's so incredible that important that you elect somebody who's from the district, who, who really knows the district, who, ex- who has the same experiences uh, and, and issues and, and problems that you do. Uh, and I think that that's always something that's real important, regardless of endorsements, you know. And, and, and I think that that may have been an area where uh, he may have uh, endorsed some people that weren't really uh, palatable for the districts. Agreed. Listen, as always, Nicole, terrific job. I hope you enjoyed your Greek Easter yesterday. I think the parade is on the 30th. Is that right this year? The parade is, yes, on the yeah. 30th. So we're looking forward to marching down Fifth Avenue. And I know John Katsimatis always makes sure that we're broadcasting live on your radio station, so we're excited about that. Uh, and just looking forward to celebrating our our rich Greek heritage and culture and sharing that with other New Yorkers. Absolutely. We've got a big float uh, in that parade that day as well. So I look forward to seeing you and your family, which I saw on the boat and that during that big yacht deal a couple of years ago. Nicole, you're always terrific. Thank you so much for hopping on this morning. Continue your great work. We love you. Thank you so much. Great to be with you. Thank you. You got it. Nicole Meliotakis right here on Sid and Friends in the morning. Been a terrific show already. Curtis Sliwa, Rich Lowry, Nicole Meliotakis still... Three more great guests to come, which include the former president of CBS, Dan Mason. He'll be here at 925, talking about Bashir in Kentucky, coming up at 840. Sports Talk Voice, former Patriot quarterback on the 10-year commemoration of the Boston bombing, former NFLer Scott Zolak. And coming up next, she's with Jim Jordan, Jose Alba, and a host of others this morning, our very own Jennifer Harrison, right here on Sid and Friends in the Morning with a great Boston band. Aerosmith. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. 
77 WABC. Former Bruce Springsteen, I guess. Uh, is it a piano player? What do they call that exactly? Organ. Organ. And actually, glockenspiel. There you go. Danny Federici died on this day. What year was that? That was 08. 08? Wow, he's been gone 15 years. Danny Federici, the E Street Band. 827, we've discussed so much today. Big GOP donors taking money away from DeSantis. I don't think he's electable now between his stance on abortion and the book banning deal. We've... Talked an awful lot about this kid, Teixeira. My opinion is he's too young to get that information, but he should also, also be uh, put in prison. It's both. It's not just one. It's both. But the other big one, of course, is locally today in New York. Jim Jordan is here, one of my favorite congressmen in D.C. out of the great state of Ohio. House Judiciary Committee meeting in New York, and he's talking to victims, people like Jose Alba, and my personal friend, who I love dearly, she's been on the show many times, Jennifer Harrison, some of the awful horrors they've lived with here in New York. And instead of the mayor and other folks in this town sympathizing with New Yorkers who have been through hell, they're taking every shot they can at Republicans, including President Donald Trump. With that said, here she is, my friend Jennifer Harrison. Jen, you've had quite the toy, like Joe Tacopina, Sean Hannity, every show on Fox News, Fox and Friends. Been a wild couple of weeks, huh? Yeah, it, ha- it has. It's been a crazy ride, Sid. And I'm just grateful for the opportunity to get our message out there and let people know and remind people on a daily basis for the past week that victims do exist, that we do have a voice, and that we're not going anywhere. Good. And how embarrassing and shameful is it for Eric Adams that he wants to turn this into a political stunt when he should be meeting with us instead of demeaning us on every chance that he gets. It's despicable. He's way out of touch with reality. He's way out of line. And it's disingenuous because everybody in this city and the state knows that I've been against Alvin Bragg from day one. I've been calling him out on his awful policies and the disastrous and deadly things that would happen because of them. And this is not political for me at all. This is about being a voice for victims that are being uh, degraded by his office on a daily basis. And I know it's true. And I I can speak on your behalf again, victim Rights New York. She's a victim's advocate. Her boyfriend was murdered many, many years ago. Jen, you know her story. She's been on this show. I know it's not political. And to your point, I did suspend, all kidding aside, the mayor, Eric Adams, from this program indefinitely after I saw him this morning on MSNBC talking about this as a Trump donation, political stunt. And I said exactly what you said hours and hours ago, which is he should care more about the Jennifer Harrison's, Jose Alba's of the world than the stupid political game he's playing with Joe and Mika on MSNBC. So I'm very disappointed in the mayor. You are 1,000 percent right. I'm actually also here with Madeline Brame, who's speaking today, and she has yes. a, a message for the mayor as well. Hang on one second. Hi. Good morning. Thank you for Hi. having me. Sure. My, my name is Madeline Brame, and I am the chairwoman of Victims' Rights Reform Council. I'm also going to be a witness here this morning. My son, Sergeant Hassan Korea, was murdered and uh, 
Alvin Bragg's office handled the case dropping two murder indictments against two of the people involved in his murder um, because he said that there wasn't enough resources to try all four people. Um, but we can spend almost $200 million to go after Donald Trump, but can't take murder cases to trial. So I'm here today to testify on, you know, my son's behalf and on all the victims in New York City, especially in the black and brown community, because there are many of us and people are just paralyzed with fear and not able to speak out. But these terrible policies that are in place have affected my community more than anyone. And I'm here today to speak out and be their voice. Well, God bless you, Madeline. Again, very sorry, very sorry what happened to your son. But uh, he's very proud of you somewhere today. It's heroic what you're doing. And as a New Yorker, I love you and appreciate it very, very much. So thank you. I would ask you this, uh, Jennifer Harrison. Thanks again, Madeline. How did Jim Jordan find you? How did this whole thing come about that he reached out to you to be there with him today? I think um, he found the op-ed that I wrote a couple of weeks ago um, after President Trump was indicted based on, you know, where, what about the victims in New York? And that's how, you know, he got in touch with me and, and this all came to light. So, um, again, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here. We actually have to go in the room in a couple of minutes and, and start preparing for our testimony. Um, and I want to thank you for putting me on the show this morning, but you, you know I only did it because it's you. I know you did. Thank you. I love you, too. And good luck this morning and continue talking. You're one of the most courageous people I know. You know that. I'm very proud of you and Madeline. Thank you so much, Jen. Go get them. Thanks, Ed. All right. There she is, Jennifer Harrison. Victims Rights New York about to go into the room with Jim Jordan. So she is right there. In fact, um, she is probably the one who will testify first. I don't know that for a fact. But um, pretty cool that you would spend a couple of minutes and call us right before she sits down with Jim Jordan. So uh, if uh, if you're about the news and what's going on, Noam, that was, uh, that was a pretty, pretty good score, right, Noam? Don't you think? I think Noam is listening back to the uh, conversation right now, so he's not listening to us. Anyway. 77 WABC. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. This is an ABC News special report. Good afternoon. I'm George Stephanopoulos in New York. We're interrupting your program because there have been two explosions today at the Boston Marathon. Two explosions near the finish line just a short while ago. You see the scene right there. Explosions right by the finish line. The winners had passed several hours before. Some stragglers were coming by, but several people on the scene are said to be injured. One man whose bib number was 17528, Frank DeWright of North Carolina, said there are a lot of people down. You see the commotion right there in Boston today. Of course, the Boston Marathon, one of the premier sporting events in the country. Two white explosions near the finish line in short sequence. Today, we are enlisting the public's help to identify the two suspects. Shortly after 5 p.m. yesterday, FBI Special Agent in Charge Richard Delorier releases these images of the two men they believe are suspects behind the Boston Marathon bombings. We have two new pictures that we want to show you. Just hours later, a second photo is circulated online of suspect number two walking away from the bombings. A little after 10 p.m., Two men are spotted at a convenience store in Cambridge near the campus of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. We must have heard about 60 gunshots. 
Chief DeVoe is advising all Watertown East End residents to remain in their home. As we are on the air at 11 p.m., we learn a 26-year-old police officer from MIT has been shot and killed. Moments later, Boston police begin a high-speed chase for two males after receiving reports of an armed carjacking. According to authorities, the carjacking suspects begin throwing explosives from the car as police chase them from Cambridge to Watertown. There were dozens of police officers with their guns drawn. Um, we could hear them yelling. At approximately 1.23 a.m., residents in Watertown are jolted awake as dozens of police exchange gunfire with the two suspects. And then like boom, boom, like three big bangs. A fierce firefight with explosions follows, leading to the death of one of the men, later identified as suspect number one. Suspect number two escapes on foot. By 3.45 in the morning, Massachusetts State Police warn Watertown residents to stay in their homes, lock their doors, as police begin searching door to door. A little after 5 a.m. as day breaks, the city of Boston begins moving into a lockdown, suspending mass transit and asking businesses to remain closed. It is important that folks remain indoors, keep the doors locked and not open the door. At 8.14 a.m., authorities identify the suspects as brothers. 26-year-old Tamerlan Sarnayev and 19-year-old Jahar Sarnayev. At 11.55 a.m., the city of Boston is at a standstill as relatives of the two suspected bombers begin to speak out. Turn yourself in and ask for forgiveness. At 1.26, Boston police tweet that 60% of the search is done. At 3.42, investigators find significant amounts of homemade explosives in Watertown. We are asking the public to remain vigilant. 6 p.m., the lockdown for the Boston area is lifted, meaning people can again leave their homes, even though a suspect remains at large. Was that guns? But less than an hour after the lockdown is lifted, shots are fired in Watertown. Police scramble to the scene. I, I just heard... I. It, what sounded like multiple assault rifle shots to me. 8.15 p.m., a person believed to be Jahar Tsarnaev is cornered on a boat in a yard in Watertown. Hundreds of law enforcement surround the suspected bomber. And at 8.45, police in Watertown, Massachusetts, break out in cheers, followed by crowds coming to the streets to celebrate. Courtesy of ABC and CNN, 10 years ago, the Boston bombing. Of course, you know how serious the Rosenberg family is about marathons. My wife, Danielle, my beautiful wife, has now completed 39 marathons, and 
She's one of less than 1% of marathon runners who have received the Abbott Award for completing these six majors, which include Berlin, London. She did Tokyo about a month ago. And, of course, in the United States, New York, Chicago, and Boston. She did Boston in 2017, four years after the bombings, which took place on April 13th, excuse me, April 15th of 2013. And that was a rough six days, man, rough six days. I was down in South Florida, but I've got a really good buddy. When I started my sports TV career at College Sports Television, Chelsea Pierce, Brian Bedall, I hosted shows for baseball with Ron Darling, basketball with Seth Greenberg, Bob Valdano, and Matt Doherty, and football. Two guys in particular, Aaron Taylor, who went to Notre Dame and played alongside Brett Favre in Green Bay, and Scott Zolak, who went to Maryland, went on to become a starting quarterback with the Patriots, played in Miami. And Scott and I became really, really close friends. And Scott has gone on to become one of the best sports talk guys in the business. I'm out of it. He's still in it. In uh, Boston, Zolak and Bertrand can be heard from 10 to 2 on 985, the Sports Hub. It's a Beasley station, NBC in Boston. He was there then. He joins us now 10 years later, my dear friend Scott Zolak. Zo, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, Sid. It's great to hear you. And uh, two guys that didn't have a face for TV, we actually did. They were just talking <laughs> how good looking we were. Yeah. We ended up doing radio. But um, I followed you around like crazy. And uh, congratulations again to your wife. And I mean this, man. I know Boston's 26.2 miles today. It is each and every year, obviously. But the the build, the, the wherewithal, the mental anguish and anxiety that goes into running a race like that, uh, kudos to those type of people that that, that 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 run it, that run it for causes, and some people just run it for fun. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, it's, a, it's it's a hell of a day in Boston. It really is. It is, and um, you know, going back to ten years ago, we'll get to the whole Patriot Day in Boston with the marathon and the Red Sox game. But I remember the day after the bombings, I was in Miami at the time, and uh, you came on with me, and yep. I'll never forget how broken up you were of a little Marty Richard. Now, for folks that don't know, Martin Richard was the eight-year-old little boy, one of the three folks who died. There were two girls in their 20s who died. And his father described what happened to his son's body, changing color as he was dying. And, Zoe, you're a tough guy, football player. You cried with me the next morning about Marty. You said he was a big Boston Bruin fan and, all the Bruins fans uh, were yelling and screaming his name the night before at the game. And tell yeah. us about him specifically. It, he was one of the ones that was up against the gate on Boylston Street where the first bomb went off. Um, he was there with his father, uh, his sister. I think that they, they were there to watch his mother run to finish the race. I think his sister um, was one of the 17 folks that lost a leg, too, by the way. Yeah, she was hurt badly. And the father knew she was hurt badly. The problem was. The father had to stay there and sit and stare at his son as he knew his son was dying and then had to make the decision to leave his son there because there was nothing he could do to pick his daughter up to carry her, I don't know how many blocks to a hospital. So to think, like, mentally, you know, okay, I just watched my son pass away <laughs> by some horrific event by because of somebody of, of disgusting um, humanity, you know, did this. And now I got to go make sure my daughter doesn't you lose her life. And he's been really good. Father has, and they, they've run races. Uh, the MR8 Foundation. Uh, Mark Richard was his name. Uh, he was eight years old at the time. He just he just 
made a peace sign at school. Uh, one thing you want to ask for in life, and he, his 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 vision was peace. Mm. And then uh, the next day, boom, this bomb goes off. Um, I remember doing well. I was doing sports radio still with another <laughs> station up there at the time, Sid. And you know, when you're doing these remote broadcasts, bars pay you to go. You know, but you get beer money, thirty thousand. Hey, we got to go do an event here at this bar. So we were doing our show from a bar on Lansdowne Street near where Fenway Park is and where part of the race runs through, you hear the first bomb went off. We had to get out of there. And, um, you know, you talk about somebody, you know, spreading by word of mouth, it becomes chaos. You know, I remember, because um, for me, I know that's not far from Boylston where the finish line is, but remember, I was out on the streets 9-11, and buildings yeah, oh, were falling yeah, and stuff. Mean, so, nothing, nothing, yeah. nothing will ever compare to 9-11, but, like, this is what you start thinking in Boston. Like, oh, my God, this is our 9-11. And once that happened, you're like, where's the next one coming? Then, boom, the second one went off. Mm. And then it really went into hysteria because um, you're like, where else, where else are they? Where, where else are the bond? next one's going to come off? And I remember maybe shutting down the city. You know, we all went through COVID. You know, COVID's one thing, whether you believe it should be shut down or not. This is a mandatory shutdown because you had two killers on the loose. And we had no clue where, where they were at. But to see – and to look at the, there's a documentary on Netflix right now that is outstanding. And Ed Harris was the chief um, uh, of police at the time, and they thought I think they thought they had some pictures of these guys that they wanted to put public, but the FBI wasn't sure yet to put put it out there on TV yet. But to look at the amount of pictures and street cameras that they went through, I mean, you're, you have millions of people lining the streets of Boston. They were able to handpick these two guys out by telling their actions, by telling what they were wearing, when the bombs went off their facial expressions, while crowds were running one way, they were walking against it. It's amazing how they got these mm. guys. It really yeah. is. Yeah, these two guys were, of course, uh, they wanted revenge for what we did in Iraq and Afghanistan. They went back to Chechnya, Tamilin, the older brother at least, and uh, he uh, came back to the United States with a vision of death and destruction, and they completed it. But tell me, from the time of the bombing on Sunday, Zoe, it took a couple of days for them to make any real headway in the case. So yeah. you knew these bombs went off. You knew these guys were probably still in Boston. What were those days like until those crazy nights where those two brothers hit the streets? Well, once they had the one. And then they found their apartment where they were making them, and it was the pressure cooker box. They had all the ingredients right there. There was one more left on the loose, and that's where they sort of had 60%, as you heard in the video feed there when you came back from break, 60% of, of the city was covered. So we knew that, okay, they're not here. we got to keep condensing this thing. And they knew it was in Watertown. And what they ended up finding was, you know, as in New York or here in Boston, when you have a boat, you put your boat in your backyard and you shrink wrap it. The problem with the white shrink wrap, he cut it, and you, there, were, there was blood. You could see blood. One of the neighbors said, there's blood on your shrink wrap of your boat. Mm. And there was a little slit where he got in through, and he was hiding inside that boat, and that's when they got him. And, man, when he got him, this city went nuts. It, not, not from a celebratory standpoint, but it's a oh, sense of relief. And then the Bruins were in the midst of a playoff run. Uh, they were the first sports team back two days after that. It was a Wednesday night, I think. And um, I remember being at that game, and the entire, the entire arena, the entire TD Garden, sang the national anthem, mm. um, and they put up the the three deceased people on the on the video board uh, to that Phillips Phillips song, "Home," 
and it was our dry eye to play. Oh, my God. And then they went out and played yeah. hockey in the shootout. Yeah. A loss in the shootout, I think, 3-2. And then I think the real culminating moment from a sports um, perspective to bring this all home we all have our sports heroes. You guys had Derek Jeter. <laughs> I know. I know no, we no, we actually no, no, we actually had Mike Piazza after nine eleven when Mike Piazza yeah. hit that home run against Atlanta Braves. Got so like yeah. all of New York cried, and and we had Piazza. You had David Ortiz. Yeah, David Ortiz, and then so we they wore they they change their uniforms every once in a while where it says Red Sox Boston, and he said we're going to wear our white Boston uniforms. And he went out and took the mic. Uh, at the pitcher's mound before the game. And this was the first home game after that. I think they were on a series out in Cleveland that they ended up winning. But he came back, took the mic, and 40 seconds he spoke, and he said they're not going to take back. They will never take our effing freedom. This yeah. is our city. Yeah. And he said it. The FCC had no problem. They let it run on TV. <laughs> you know, one guy's not going to get <laughs> fined. It's going to be David Ortiz. Right. We remember hearing it on live TV, and I'm like, oh, my God, they let that go. And he said, yeah, it's David Ortiz. Wow. So, that, you, know, you know, they went on a historic run. You know, that 617. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the 2013 team was crazy. They, they, that wasn't a team built for the World Series. But something was magical that year. Something really was. And um, as, as we all, you know, try to get through things in life, I, I think sports brings everybody together. You know, I, you remember 9-11, Patriots were playing the Jets that next week. Um, um, shoot, I remember it was what Yankees versus Diamondbacks back, right? in the World Series, and everybody was rooting for the Yankees back then. And everybody hates the Yankees, yeah. and again, the Met home run, Piazza against the Braves, and like you said, I mean, I was rooting for the Boston Red Sox that whole yeah. time during 2013. I do want to bring you though to uh, one of the Boston sports figure who called it quits this year. Now, I yeah. believe your last year at the Patriots was 1998. Two years later, in 2000. The Pats drafted some kid named Tom Brady out of Michigan. <laughs> I know you got to know Brady pretty well all those years. Yeah. He was doing sports in Boston. He was playing yeah. quarterback. The fact that's over now, is that, uh, is that rough up there in Boston? How do the fans feel about Brady? It's rough, man. Um, I've been lucky enough to have been doing the team broadcast. I'm the color voice for, oh, God, the last 13 years. So Tom played 20 here. And of the 20 years, 13 times out of those 20 years, we were in the title game playing for the right to go to the Super Bowl. So almost at a 55% clip, we had a shot to go to the Super Bowl. And I was lucky enough to call five of them. Um, Don't know if we'll ever get back to one again. But uh, I got a couple rings because of that guy. And uh, he's Jordan, man. He's Kobe. Yeah. So when when these three people walk down the street in Boston, who do people want to bump into more? Tom Brady? Ben Affleck or Mark Wahlberg? You know, it's funny. I want to jokingly say Wahlberg because I do like all – I dig all three dudes. It's Brady. It's Brady by by, – It is, huh? Really by a mile. Jeez. Yeah, Yeah, by a mile. Oh, wow. I thought you were going to go Bobby Orr. (laughs) uh, Hey, listen, buddy. Bobby Orr ain't going to be walking down the street anytime soon. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime, bud. Anytime. Hey, listen, enjoy your uh, your trip down there in Florida. Thank you for taking time out this morning. It's great to catch up with you. You know I love you. And thank I you for you, sharing Peter. that. I'm so glad you're back in New York, kicking ass there in New York. That's the city where, you, where Sid belongs. He don't belong down in Miami. Miami's for visiting. So. <laughs> you're so right, man. No, it's good to be back here. The Northeast, Scott Zolak kicking ass in Boston. Sid Rosenberg kicking ass in New York City. That's the way it's supposed to be. With that said... Enjoy your vacation in Florida. <laughs> Love you, Sid. All the best. You Love you, too. So thank you. There he is, former Patriot quarterback.
And now a big-time sports talk show star, 10 to 2 on 985, the Sports Hub, Beasley Station in Boston, Scott Zolak, Zolak and Bertrand in Boston. All right, some more Augustana, Boston, on this, the 10-year commemoration of one of the more tragic days in one of our great cities in the U.S. Today, we remain Boston strong. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. Using the departed, the Boston mob, Whitey Bulger. I guess Jack Nicholson's role in that was Whitey, I guess. But what, you know, you look back at that movie, which was a great Martin Scorsese movie. We always talk about Goodfellas and Casino, but Departed was right there, man. That was unbelievable. And the cast in that movie Jack Nicholson, Leonardo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Mark Wahlberg, Martin Sheen, Alec Alec Baldwin. Baldwin. (laughs) Oh, my God. That was a phenomenal movie. So if we are Boston strong. You would have. <laughs> yeah, very good. Very good, Louis. Louis from downtown. <laughs> no ticky, no laundry. Boston strong today on Sid and Friends in the Morning, commemorating 10 years since that tragic day, which I want to remind folks was a heck of a lot worse than January 6th, you dumb bastards. A heck of a lot. No, democracy was on the line. Shut up. I'm begging you to shut up. I'm begging you. Sorry to burst your bubble, Stephen A. Smith, but not only did five cops not die that day, not one died, not one, not one, not one. One person died that day. Her name was Ashley Babbitt, and she was murdered by a black cop. The black cop matters. You could have been white, but just ironic that the black cop that murdered Ashley Babbitt, Stephen A. Smith, and no cops died that day. None. Sicknick died the day after from natural causes. But three people died in Boston. Hundreds were injured, and 17 people lost their limbs. So not only is comparing January 6th to 9-11, where 3,000 died, or Pearl Harbor, irresponsible, gross, and stupid, I wouldn't even compare January 6th to the Boston bombings. I was 10 times worse Boston. 10 times and guess what? A cop died during that tragedy, too, four nights later in Watertown. Those Sarnet brothers murdered a cop at MIT, the university, murdered a cop. More cops died during those six days of the Boston Marathon than any died on January 6th. But none of you folks ever talk about that. No, no, no. No. The mayor is... He's holding a press conference. For some reason, Jen Harrison thought he showed up. He was standing outside with Mark Levine, 
who was the Manhattan Borough president, who was a complete lowlife. That's the guy who you may remember during COVID when people were dying at a very, very high rate. He wanted to bury the dead bodies in Riverside Park. And at the time, I was living at 104th between West End and Riverside, in between, you know, three parks around there, Morningside, Central Park, and Riverside. And I would go to the park uh, every weekend. Me, Gabriel, Ava, Danielle would run through the park. And this moron wanted to bury the bodies in Riverside Park, Mark Levine, now the Manhattan Borough President. Well, I'm sick of all of them. I have suspended the mayor. Uh, If he wants to reach out to me, I'd love to hear from him. I still am friendly with his friends, and I still like the mayor. And I still want to help the mayor, but he is now suspended. And if he wants to reach out to me, great. He won't. He doesn't care. He's worried about other big things and what what I'm saying. But, you know, I've had enough. It's been three horrible weeks for Adams. And you guys are going to say three horrible weeks. How about 15 horrible months? Maybe. Maybe. But I was willing to give the mayor the benefit of the doubt. I've had one-on-one conversations, lunches, dinners. I still feel like his heart is in the right place. But he's been so contaminated by the Democrat Party, and he's not being honest. He has real designs on being president. He really does. And the only way he can get there, he thinks, is to suck up to the Democrats. What he doesn't get is, the only way he can get there is if he fixes his city. And he ain't doing it. And defending people like Alvin Bragg, who couldn't give a rat's ass about this city, who doesn't care who dies in the city, he just wants to put Donald Trump in prison. He's a big racist jerk, or that other racist, Letitia James. That ain't the way to get it done. You're not getting to Pennsylvania Avenue by doing that. So when Jim Jordan comes to town, regardless of the crime rate in Ohio, who cares? When Jim Jordan comes to town, Eric, and has real-life New Yorkers who have been through horrors, Jennifer Harrison, boyfriend murdered. She was on this show less than an hour ago. Jose Alba, whole life taken away. As an innocent bodega owner, you heard from Madeline on this show. She hopped on the phone. Her son murdered. These are real New Yorkers who suffered tragedy. And you're going to call it a Donald Trump donation stunt? Come on, man. You really pissed me off today. Really pissed me off. Now don't get into this whole thing. I'm not Curtis. Even Andrew. I get it. If I was Andrew Giuliani, I'd hate his guts, too, because he calls his father racist, which, by the way, I told Woody and Andrew about. I get it. Those guys are never, ever, ever going to give Eric Adams credit, and I wouldn't either. But the truth is, he doesn't deserve any credit. I don't know what he's doing. I really don't. Sitting on MSNBC with Joe and Mika and the rest of these jerks and then showing up to do a press conference outside this place where real New Yorkers are telling stories of their tragedies, you've got to be better than that. You've got to be better if you're Eric Adams. But maybe he's not. Nicole Sapphire just texted me, the lovely Dr. Nicole. She's co-hosting with me on Wednesday, my birthday, and she's looking forward to it. Any chance the studio would provide a car service? <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah, good luck with that one. <laughs> yeah, we're, and we're broadcasting live from Boston this morning. Yeah. <laughs> she obviously didn't get the email then. It's coming. It'll be God. Step outside. It'll yeah. be I right mean, it's a fair question. Very sure. fair question. Sure. But uh, 
Ain't never going to happen, Nick. So, two things here. First of all, my birthday is Wednesday. Nicole's going to be here. Takapina's going to be here. Many others. So, I noticed the last couple of years on Facebook, on Instagram, when people are celebrating a birthday, what they do is they put the charity up of their choice, and instead of giving me a birthday gift, people actually donate money to the birthday person's charity. So I'm sitting at home yesterday, and I'm going, wait a second. We've got a 501C. We've got, you know, Gabriel. We've got the Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia and DCD. Why not? I mean, I've got a real charity. It's a real deal inspired by my son. So I decided to put on Facebook and Instagram this post where you can, for my birthday coming up on Wednesday, donate. And people have been donating for two days. Ten bucks, Monica Allen. You know, people like Lorraine Maloney donated to Patty, our friend Patty, 100 bucks. Bob Cornicelli, 50 bucks. I don't want to leave anybody out. Some other gentleman donated 100 bucks too. Uh, point is, between Facebook and Instagram, Kenny Bear, people, Yvette Rodriguez here at the station. Thank you, Yvette. People have been donating money the last two days to my son's, it's not my son's, it's our charity, inspired by my son, the Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia and DCD. So, if you want to give me a birthday gift, <laughs> just do that. I don't care if it's $5, $10. Go to my Facebook page, Sid Rosenberg, or my Instagram page, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, and donate to the Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia and DCD today. You want to say something, Lou? Uh, no, I, I didn't know what the money was for. So I, yeah, yeah. I was forming my joke, but maybe I just wanted to use it <laughs> yeah, now. No, I, just, I was going to say, if somebody steals my idea for $5, I'm not going to be happy. <laughs> I just, that was going to be my gift. Right. But. So are you going to donate now, now that you've uh, found out what the real deal is? Right, and made a fool of myself? Yes. Sure, of course. Yes. Of course I am. So I asked Alec to do me a favor tonight. I'm receiving a, a very prestigious award. Once again, thank you to Chris Lenzo, Lauren Conlin, all the fine folks at the Metropolitan Republican Club, where I had a book signing back in August. Now, tonight, they're back to their annual gala dinner, which they didn't have for two years because of COVID, the 119th, mind you, dinner, which I'm uh, very, very excited about. And so they're giving out three awards. One is going to the laptop guy, the guy who won Hunter Biden's laptop, John Paul. My, how many names does this guy have? What is his name again? John Paul Mac Isaac. That guy. Something like that. No. I'm not sure if that's the right order, but I don't even those, care. Those are his he's getting an award. Uh, Rudy Giuliani's getting an award, and we love the mayor. Love Rudy. Good for him. And I'm getting the Warren Brandeis Award for journalistic integrity. So I <laughs> shut up. Sorry. Be quiet. Fine. I'm sorry. I was just reading something funny, not what you said. Right, yeah. sure. <laughs> Do you know, on a serious note, and I don't consider myself a journalist. You know that I'm a half-assed entertainer at best. And um, but I've now received a journalistic award three consecutive years. Teddy Atlas gave me and Bernard, God rest his soul, our journalistic integrity award. It was called the. Oh come on! I just talked to Marv Albert about it. He was a very, very famous. Newest guy in New York. I forgot the name now. But we got that award for journalistic integrity from Teddy Atlas's foundation. Last year, the New York City Police Shields, remember that? They gave us the integrity award. And now this tonight. 
which goes to show you these people either don't listen or the meaning of integrity has certainly changed over the years. <laughs> I had a slot to fill, probably. <laughs> you also haven't, like, written a complete sentence maybe your entire life. No, it's true. So I go to Alec. I go, do me a favor because I'm tired. I'm going to do a four-hour show. i got to go home. i got to work out. i got a lot to do. It's uh, They want 10 to 15 minutes tonight out of me, like a speech. <laughs> I say, Alec, can you, you know, write the speech? I mean, Gary Delabate rotates Howard's tires. He takes his laundry to the cleaners. Mm-hmm. And without any hesitation, without any hesitation, Ella goes, no. I'm not doing it. Why not? Because I'm busy. I have to write Greg Kelly's speech. Why do you do so much work for Greg <laughs> Kelly? <laughs> no, it's not even, you know, all kidding aside. So at like 540 this morning, some text pops up on Ellick's phone, and it's a Rich Rodabelli, whatever the hell his name is, and he's talking about Greg Kelly. And I like Greg Kelly. All the power to Greg. Good for him. He's a terrific guy. He's got a great radio show, great TV show. God bless him. But Greg Kelly uh, means about one-tenth of the station that I do. Maybe one-tenth. Why are you doing work for Greg Kelly when you're an employee of this show and this triples Greg Kelly's ratings? Triples. Um, well, I, I don't want to do it. Well, why do you do it? Because they've, uh, you know, they've switched Phil's shift like four different times. Yeah. Not like actually twice. So now Phil's coming in one to nine. Phil was coming in, uh, nine to five. So he was doing all of Greg. I, I know stuff. all this, but what, what doesn't matter? Why do you, you're on this show. I know. Now we have less people on the show. I know. We are, we, we are the ones that are making this stage. I know they talk about the whole station and I'll get in trouble with this. I don't care. It's this show. This is the show. Is the reason why Greg Kelly's here. Yeah, exactly. So I want to hear. I don't want to hear about where Phil went or this I or know. that. <laughs> Greg I, Kelly is not as important I to understand. this station as we are. It's not even close. I understand, but I still get everything done for you. I'm j- I just wasn't in the studio for the first half hour of today's show. That's I didn't all. even notice that, to be honest. I know. That's the only difference. Yeah. Because if I saved it to get, if I saved it to get but you, it done, but you, you were seemingly annoyed when they made you do this. Topic. Of course, it's it's the worst part about my day. <laughs> the worst part? Yeah, the worst part about my day. Well, wh- why? What? I what spend a, have, like, have you ever? Is there a half an hour of your day that you spend for every second of that half an hour? You you don't want to be alive. Uh, absolutely. Oh, with, that's yours. Oh, with yeah. Greg Kelly. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. my half an hour. Yes. Pat Russo checks in, <laughs> and he says the Jack Newfield Award. That's right. Very good, Pat. Thank you. And uh, Nicole's not listening. She's still asking for a car service. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Been a uh, tremendous show already, I must say. Tremendous show. Dating back to Curtis Sliwa. And then we spoke to Rich Lowry. And then we spoke to Nicole Maliotakis, Jennifer Harrison, Scott Zolak. And I notice my Facebook and Instagram is lighting up, folks making donations for my birthday to the charity. Thank you very much for that. I appreciate that. It's open for two weeks. My birthday is coming up on Wednesday. We'll have a big-time show for you. We will take a short break, though, when we get back. I, I, I wrote the first three or four lines. It's very easy. You wrote the first three oh, or four sure, lines. It's easy. I actually All right, so before we take a break and go to the former president of CBS Radio here in New York, Dan Mason, here's Lou Rapino's first three or four lines from my speech at the big Metropolitan Gala Later on tonight, I'd like to thank everybody. Thank you. You know that my ratings are up at a 9.8, so I understand uh, everybody's admiration for that. Uh, I have no idea otherwise why I'm getting this award, but I would like to thank everybody for recognizing my extreme talent and uh, providing extreme entertainment in New York radio. 
Uh, I understand if Bernie was alive, this would never have happened. So I'd like to thank everybody, and uh, I'm, I'm getting that to the rest of the body of work. So. There you go. See, what, it's easy. What do you, you need me for? What do you need me for? Beautiful. Just type that out for me, please. <laughs> Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. This is awful. I have a very close friend that didn't make it today. And I have another close friend who didn't either. And one who's at the hospital that I hope is, is going to make it through. So when we talk about praying, I hope people will. For those that we are hoping can make it through the surgeries that they're going through. And then we've got to do what we have done these last three years after everything. We've got to wrap our arms around these families. And to everybody who needs it, don't be afraid to get some help. I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, Jennifer Harrison is on Fox News as we speak, talking about bail reform has been dangerous and deadly. She was on with us at 825 this morning, been friends with Jennifer for many, many years. She started uh, Victims New York, the advocate group. And uh, Jim Jordan invited her down this morning, and she is speaking on Fox News about that horrible, disgusting Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg, as we speak. The uh, person you just heard, though, is actually a decent man. He's a Democrat, but a good man. Andy Bashir, he's the governor in Kentucky. And you guys remember that morning, the day after those deadly, the deadly shooting in Louisville, when I said, wow, how refreshing. Because nine times out of ten, when these deadly shootings occur, it takes these Democrats, whether it's Biden or Hillary or KJP, any one of these morons, takes them all of about 15 seconds to start spewing about gun control. Rigor Mortis hasn't even set in. There was still... And I hate saying it like this, but dead little kids on a classroom floor, and they're yelling about gun control. It's gross. Here, Andy Bashir, a Democrat governor in Kentucky, talked about the larger issue. And I talk about it all the time, folks. If you can tell me the last time a gun got up in the morning and got dressed and a gun got in the car and started the car and a gun drove to a school and a gun walked into a school or a gun by itself shot through the front door and murdered little kids, I'll shut up, but never happened. There's always a sick, demented, twisted human being behind the gun because there's a lot of gun owners in this country, millions, millions, who you never hear about, law-abiding citizens who use guns for protection and never use it. But the ones that go bad, then, oh, you got stricter gun laws. The strictest gun laws are in the most violent cities, New York, Chicago, and others. So I'm kind of sick of the rhetoric, and so is my next guest, who spent many years as the president of CBS Radio. He's a Radio Hall of Famer and a Kentuckian, my friend Dan Mason. Dan, good Monday morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, Sid, and golly, you're on a roll this morning. (laughs) You are on a roll, my friend. (laughs) Well, I think I, I explained it pretty well, no? 
You did. You did. And, you know, going back to Kentucky, this, oh, my God, this whole situation was such a sad chain of events. It doesn't make sense. It's just crazy. I mean, here you got this kid. By the way, they're, t- you know, the kid that the shooter, they're testing his brain now for uh, uh, CTE. That's what the NFL guys get all the time tested for. But from the concussions that he in multiple concussions in high school. Um, and if you look, and I look, I've been following the story very close. If you look at his high school basketball season, he's playing every game in a helmet, I know. like one of those, one of those wrestler helmets, yeah. you know, the padded things. And God only knows what the hell's going on. I mean, it, here's a kid that comes from a, a good family. His dad was the high school baseball coach there. Um, graduates from the University of Alabama in their business school. Comes to Louisville and, you know, he gets hired by the bank as an intern for a couple of years. And then they promote him to full time. And he didn't, obviously, I guess he got, allegedly he got word that he was going to be let go. And he went berserk. And go ahead. No, you're right. Those are the, those are the events. And when you mentioned CTE, Dan, earlier, for folks that may not remember, We've seen some former NFL players commit some some real violence, kill people, uh, sometimes members of their own family, who were diagnosed with that. Aaron Hernandez, the former Patriots star who killed himself in prison eventually, he was diagnosed with that. And some other guys just killed themselves, guys like Junior Seau and Dave Duerson, to name a few. So it's a real thing that happens, these football injuries. And we do have evidence where people do do violent things to others and to themselves, and there's really no other logical way of uh, figuring out why this kid would do this based upon, like you talked about, his father, his upbringing. But on a more serious note, uh, the political side at least, what you talked about in your text to me, Bashir, the way he handled it, in opposition to the way Biden and those Democrats handle most of these things, was really night and day. It was stark. Well, you know, Bashir, he, you know, you, you termed it best. You, you labeled him as a fine American. And he had he had uh, empathy for hundreds of people who were affected by this. And what does Biden do? Well, you know, we got to get these guns off the street. These Republicans will wake up. And that's that's his response. You know, I, I could take it even further too. That you know, I, I'm so upset about his war on fossil fuel, which just drives me totally insane. And I said, I'm looking at my electric bill. Yeah. And every, once a year, the electric company sends you. Composition of what your electricity is made of, and probably most people, most of your listeners right now, have no clue where what the composition of their electricity is. You know what it is? Ninety-four percent. Ninety-four percent of my electric bill is fossil fuel. Six <laughs> percent is all the other junk: hydro, solar, wind, uh, cats running around on a wheel. You name it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But is he insane to say I'm going to? Stop this fossil fuel. Are you kidding me? Where am I going to do for electricity? What yeah, am I going to do? I'm only, uh, it, it, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I mean, they tried uh, the, the windmill deal in Germany last summer, and they didn't have any wind. So, like, most of Germany didn't have any electricity. But, look, it's the same thing over and over again with Biden. He doesn't want to have to explain the oil prices, Dan. He doesn't have to explain the fuel prices, you know, he, he, right now, it's at the lowest uh, we've had in terms of uh, oil supply since 1983 in 40 years. That's how depleted our stock is. Saudi Arabia, just a couple of weeks ago, 
uh, up the money in a big, big way. Gas is going to start going up in a big way in the next month or two. And he talks about electric cars and windmills and all these things because he wants to, A, pursue his green energy deal, which is nonsense, but even more importantly, stay away from those discussions, which is, wait a second, why did you shut down the Keystone Pipeline? Wait a second. We have enough ability here in the United States to be very energy efficient right here. Why are we buying oil from the Saudis or the Russians or everybody else? So all this is is one big excuse for Joe Biden to unravel what Donald Trump did well and stop having to answer questions about the things he's doing badly. You know, I was in the I was in Pennsylvania in that part of the country that the Keystone Pipeline was located in. And I went into like a Nemecolons where I was, and I went in to get a I don't remember a facial or a massage or yeah it was a facial, and the lady who did my facial, her entire family, lost their jobs over that, and whether they were pipe fitters or whatever they were, one swoop this lady is the only one out of five working, and it's just it's just repulsive, just. You know, I can't, it makes no sense. I mean, Sid, here you go. Why couldn't one of those reporters put their hands up when Biden declared his war on fossil fuels? And Mr. President, okay, I hear you. Uh, you want to switch over and get away from fossil fuels. But right now, can you tell me what the average American's electric bill is <laughs> with wind and solar? <laughs> no. Good luck. Good luck. I, I, I think Peter. Du- I think Peter Ducey tried to do that, but he wouldn't allow it. I mean, I just did a segment, uh, Dan, Wednesday night with Jesse Waters. Two point seven million viewers on Fox News. And by the way, it went so well that Jesse is going to bring me back on a regular basis, at least once, maybe 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 twice a month. And we talked about the electric cars. Uh, another another scheme where Eric Adams he actually tried to put New Yorkers in electric cars last week. He had the charging stations ready to go. They didn't work. The charging stations didn't even work. And and let me remind you that just last year in places like Los Angeles and San Francisco, they had such bad rain and such bad storms and knocked out the electricity, and you can't drive with no electricity. I mean, it's one nonsensical idea after another. Well, think about the electric cars. Where where does the electricity for the cars come from? (laughs) 94% of fossil fuels. (laughs) That's right. I mean, it's hilarious. It's just ridiculous. It is. That's why you're better off, Dan, just burying your head in the sand. I used to wake up Sunday morning and run to Chuck Todd. I used to be a very good friend of mine. We're very, very close. Run to Chuck Todd, run to George Stephanopoulos, run to whoever's on Face the Nation now. I don't even know at this point. Now I put the TV on later on in the day, and I'll watch the Lakers and the Grizzlies or the Knicks and the Cavaliers coming up on Tuesday night because if you really if you really watch the news too much, it becomes very, very depressing. Well, one thing I give you credit for is that I listen to the show, and, you know, it's we're both Republicans, but we're smart enough not to be spoon-fed by this party yes. or the Democrats, for that matter. I am not going to be spoon-fed anymore. I'm going to make up my own mind on what I like and what I don't. And just because there's a platform there that was probably probably architected by 10 people or less, then don't push that on me. And that's the way I'm going to be from now on. I'm not buying in 100% to, to anything. Well, you really can't. Uh, and, again, I'm like you said, we're both Republicans, and I'm really disappointed in how crazy the Democrats have gotten. But there are case-by-case basis where every now and then I'll agree with a Democrat, very rarely. But there are cases where that is the case, and I don't want to put myself in a position where I'm not allowed to because I've kind of locked myself in that Republican room. One of the themes of today's show, Dan, has been the 10-year commemoration 
of the tragic bombings in Boston. I believe you were still president at CBS back in 2013. I'm not sure if you were oh, yeah. you weren't, but go back yes, to that day. You were, you were still president. How about that day 10 years ago? Oh, my goodness. You know, I, we do a lot of, we did a lot of streaming back then. You know, we were right in the middle of a streaming platform. And on my desk in New York, I had a monitor and it would list all the top streams. And, you know, I would, you know, I'm sitting there doing my normal business. I didn't have the TV on. And then I kind of glanced to my left and saw WBZ went from like number 29 or so to number one in the stream. And I thought, uh oh. Uh oh, something's going on, and sure enough, you know, BZ was in 100% coverage of uh, of that. But um, yeah, I do remember that day, and our people in Boston did an outstanding job on coverage of that. But that was tense. It was a brutal day. I uh, I made the the comparison this morning. Uh, well, not a comparison, but you know, the the folks on the left that yell and scream about January 6th, and some have the nerve to say that January 6th was the worst day in this country's history than 9-11 and Pearl Harbor, which is just beyond ridiculous. I would posit it's not even as bad as the Boston bombings, where three died that day and 17 people lost their limbs. I mean, not even close. So we tend to forget about some of the more tragic events. This one was 10 years ago. It was Boston, not New York City. But I believe it was one of the most tragic days in our country's history. And I do want to commend the Boston police for the job that they did in wrapping that whole thing up in less than a week. That was an amazing job. Well, Sid, guess what? You better get ready now for probably years and years to come that the Democrats are going to pair everything to January 6th. Yeah, I know. Ridiculous. Hey, man, keep coming back. I love when you're on. Your your Facebook message about Bashir was right on the money. It compelled me to actually comment on it and actually motivated this conversation so please keep coming back, Dan Mason. You're brilliant, and I love talking to you, buddy. Thank you so much. Well, wait a minute. One more thing. One yes. more thing. Yes. Your birthday is April 26th? No, April 19th, coming up this Wednesday. Oh, okay, because yeah. I'm the 26th. I'm oh, right you are. behind you. Oh, okay, you get the following, the following week. Wednesday. Well, there happy happy birthday, Dan. Happy birthday. All right, pal. You thank it. you so much. There he is, folks, the former president of CBS Radio here in New York and just a terrific guy and a very, very smart guy. Whether you're talking sports or news, clearly or politics, he's all over it. Dan Mason. Boy. Now it's time for Sid's Take. Sid's Take. Sid's Take, yeah. Good luck. It's Sid's Take. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. All right, Justin Ellis here, your Monday morning womp, womp. edition of the Sid's Take Peerless Boilers trivia game. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. We got Enrico and Ice. What's going on, Enrico? Enrico Palazzo. Hey, Palazzo. What's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm good. I'm good on this Monday morning. Uh, we're going to dive right in here. We're a little tight on time, okay? So you got Movie Monday, movie trivia. You ready? Let's do it. All right, number one. Black people mysteriously disappear in what? 2017 directorial debut of Jordan Peele. Oh, God. Uh-huh. Here we go. Uh, it's one word. Um, no, two words. Nope. Uh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Your two words would have been get out. Yes. On to number two. I want to dance with somebody was the subtitle of a 2022 bio, uh, biopic or biopic? 
This is a bio- biopic. biopic of what late great singer? Whitney Houston. There you go. One for two. On to number three. This was the story of Howard Beale, the first known instance of a man who was killed because he had lousy ratings. That's the last line of dialogue in one. what movie? Yeah, nothing. The movie is Network. One for three, on to number four. The Way of Water is the subtitle of the long-awaited sequel to what James Cameron film set on the fictional planet of Pandora? Avatar. There you go. Spectacular! (laughs) I know, Lewis is looking at me like I got four heads because I didn't put the answer on the sheet. Yeah, correct answer there would be Avatar, Okay, thanks. I'll yeah. play next week. <laughs> On to number five. Two for four. Quote, I am a star. I'm a star. I'm a star. I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. That's right. Is the last line of dialogue in what movie? Here we go. No. Nothing. Nothing. Well, you have to wait to hear the answer because we got the big guy back in studio. Two for five. Not a bad score, Enrico. And now we'll get the other side of this here trivia game. Let's do it. All right. Movie Monday. Enrico Palate? Yeah. Oh. Remember he said the National Anthem, a naked gun? Yeah. No, you don't. No, I don't. That's when uh, O.J. Simpson went down the stairs in the uh, wheelchair. Uh. Remember that? Nope. Yeah. Yeah. You ever watch the show Barry with Henry Winkler? Yeah, you were just, uh, you literally just made me spoil the entire show for you. Oh, spoil nothing. He's on tomorrow. And I want to talk about Happy Days, and they want him to talk about Barry. Well, Barry's a great show on HBO. That's what they say. Very popular. (laughs) You're the only person I know that watches it. The only one in the whole world. That can't be true. Well, maybe it's not. He's going to come on and talk about Happy Days. Yeah, I'm going to be like, so let me ask you a question. Is it true that you and Ron Howard double teamed Darren Moran? He's going to be like, what? (laughs) What was that? No. Did you wrap Potsy up in your leather jacket <laughs> yeah. and throw him in our train No, we actually caught Potsy and uh, Ralph Mouth in a very precarious situation. Mm. Plus, he banged Marion Ross in real life. Yeah. That's a true story. Mm. And he's a helpless liberal, and he mm. fights with Scott Vail all the time. This is what I want to talk about, not Barry. Okay. <laughs> so don't talk about Barry. No, we're going to have Jake Laser and Henry Winkler in the 9 o'clock hour tomorrow. It's going to be a great hour. Great it's going gra- to be a great and hour. And Boris Epstein and Bo Deedle. Big show tomorrow. Hey, now. All right, number one, movie yeah. Monday. Black people mysteriously disappear in what 2017 directorial what? debut of Jordan Peele? <laughs> you say black people? I said black people, yeah. Mysteriously disappear? Yeah. <laughs> Why only black people? <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's an underlying message. There is. Theme. You I don't know. know anything about this racist movie. What's it called? Get Out. Really? Yeah. I never heard of it. It's very popular. You've never heard of Get Out? <laughs> never heard of it. That's crazy. Yeah. It was like a huge movie. They just make black people disappear. It was hugely popular. It was not a huge movie. I never heard of it. Except the how'd you know? Okay. All right. <laughs> if it was huge, I would have heard of it. Yeah. Maybe not have seen it, but it okay. Was, Get it was Out. pretty right. big. It was pretty big. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> On to number two. I Want to Dance with Somebody was the subtitle of uh, Whitney Houston. That's a black person disappeared, too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that's not a mystery. Bobby's Brown, <laughs> low life. One for two. Yeah. Quote, this was the story of Howard Beale, the first known instance of a man who was killed because <laughs> he had lousy ratings. We're not going to take it anymore. That's the last line of dialogue from what movie? Network. There you go. Sidney Rosenberg will not go that way, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> no, because we don't of a lousy rating.
on to number four. No. <laughs> Actually, the book comes out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So maybe you will. No, 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 no. It's going to be huge, <laughs> like record-breaking. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Gaga. On to number four. What's your score? Yeah, two for three. Two, two. Yeah. The Way of Water is the subtitle of the long-awaited sequel to what James Cameron film set on the fictional planet of Pandora. Pandora? Yeah. Is that Avatar? There you go. That's not my favorite Jim Cameron movie. No. But I never even saw it. Uh. I like Titanic. Okay. I like that movie. Yeah. Three for four. A lot of people disappeared in that movie. Oh, that's (laughs) true. That was for real. (laughs) Number five. Quote, I am a star. I'm a star. I'm a star. I'm a star. Why are you reading it like that? I am a big, bright, shining star. Why are you reading it like that? It's weird. That's the line. Like, I look at you. That's the line. I'm just reading the line. But why are you, like, play acting? Well, I'm just trying to. Do it again. Let me see it again. (laughs) I am a star. I'm a star. Mm. I'm a star. I'm a star. I am a big, bright, Shining star, that's right. What's the last line of dialogue from what movie? Star is born? No. Oh. Star? Uh, I don't know. Boogie Nights. Oh, Dirk Diggler. How about it? We did mention Mark Wahlberg earlier. Yeah. That's a great Bostonian. Yeah. You know what's in that movie? Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, he died of a uh, drug overdose. He did. Yeah. Along came Polly. And uh, what was her uh, girl? What was her name again? Uh, What's her name in real life? Oh, Water Girl. She was Heather, married to Ed Burns Heather, out of Brooklyn. Heather, Heather Graham. Graham. Okay. Thank you, Lewis. Very cool. No problem. Have you seen that movie? She hasn't seen Who's the nice. redhead? It was a star. What's her name? She's the older lady. She's pretty. Uh, yeah. She's a star. Well, he was really the star. Well, yeah, but she was the female star. Mm-hmm. Um, She's got like three names, I think. Yeah. Red hair. Um, you know what I'm talking about? John Paul, no. Matt Isaac. <laughs> yeah, go with that. He's got four names. Uh, we'll come back and wrap things up. It's been a great Monday edition. Sid and Friends in the morning. We'll be right back. It's Sid's Take. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters. On 77 WABC. In Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. Whenever I see your smiling face, I have to smile myself because I love you. Well, my listening audience is great. The donations are coming in now. My birthday, I'll be 56, God willing, on Wednesday. And I decided this year on Facebook and Instagram, instead of sending me gifts, make a donation to the Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia and DCD, inspired by our, by our son, Gabriel, the donation, the uh, charity that me and Danielle started. And they're coming in. Uh, Pat Towers has sent 100 bucks, And I don't even know who some of these people are, but they're being very, very generous. And so thank you for that. And they, 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 these people give me a hundred bucks without even thinking about it, and I can't, ju- I can't get Justin Ellick to write me a speech. Bob Cornicelli and John Cirillo already offered to write this speech. So, oh, yeah, the giveaway. Shut up already with the giveaway. God, you're so annoying. Oh, what a night! Doo Wop and Rock and Roll coming to the Bergen Performing Arts Center Saturday, May the sixth. Yes, I've got a pair of tickets for you. Kenny Vance and the Planetones, Cleveland Still and the Dubs, the Dan Leers, and more. Be calling number 7 right now at 800-848-WABC and get yourself a pair of tickets to see Oh, What a Night of Doo-Wop and Rock and Roll. You're not going to want to miss this show. That's 800-848-9222. Call the number 7 right now, May 6th, Saturday, at Bergen Pack. 
five minutes from the GW break. So, hey, Lou, nice job today, bro. Great job with the music. Really good job. I know you don't feel well. Go home, have some chicken soup, and ask MJ to um, I gotta finish this give you oil or something. I don't know. Okay, yeah, that's on her list. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate it. Looking out for you. Justin, excellent job as always. Noam Layton, tremendous. All of our guests are great, too. Big show tomorrow again at the top of my head. Bo Deedle, Henry Winkler, Jake Glazer, Boris Epstein, all of it. Don't forget, say a prayer for those people in Boston. We remain Boston strong today. And I'll see you later on tonight at the Metropolitan Republican Club dinner, where we'll receive the very, very prestigious Warren Brandeis Award. Till tomorrow at 6 a.m. From all of us here on the Sid Rosenberg Show to all of you, Pence, come on, baby.